Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at www.audibletrial.com forward slash swoopsworld. Over 100,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. That's audibletrial, A-U-D-I-B-L-E-T-R-I-A-L.com forward slash swoopsworld. You're listening to the Talk Story Radio Network. Welcome to another edition of Swoops World, right here on the new Talk Story Radio Network. Swoops World, where you get all you need to know about arts, culture, news, and happiness. Our number, if you want to give us a call tonight, is 562-912-3444. You can always email us at swoopsworld at gmail.com, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter. Once again, if you want to give us a call, that number is 562-912-3444. Now just sit back and enjoy Another edition of Swoops World on the new Talk Story Radio Network. And welcome to another edition of Swoops World, late night, Wednesday, March 11, 2015. How's it going, Peter? It's going good. How are you? Good, man. Going to have a big night tonight. We have uh, actor James Wilder will be our guest the first hour. And uh, guy's been on a lot of stuff, man. Melrose Place and several different uh, series. He's got a new movie out. He's been acting forever, and he's an architect and a designer. So this guy should be, it should be an interesting conversation. Sounds good. And then, of course, uh, you know, brewskis. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Got to be tasting some Imperial Rye today. Oh, so. I saw that. That looks good. Yeah, a little, little change of pace there. That will be good. And, uh, of course, Anthony Davis, uh, the former USC and NFL great, will be joining us. And, of course, T-Bone's timeout and all the other good stuff we, we do each week. How's your week been, man? Not too bad. You know, kind of. Grinding through. Yeah. Nothing too too exciting, but nothing to complain about either. <laughs> well, I went to the doctor, a dentist today, so that's uh, came up. Clean bill of health. No yeah. no cavities, no nothing. So There you go, man. There you go. Can't ask for much more than no, that, no right? No gingivitis or anything. No, like that. no, no. <laughs> Cavities, man. Cavities are things you just want to avoid. Exactly. You got that right, man. <laughs> so, I've got a number of, number of years without them, so I'm good. Keep it up, man. Yeah, man. Uh, floss every day. Floss every day. There you go, man. You got to do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, man. Let's take our first break and uh, come back and get our guests rolling. What do you say? Sounds good. You are listening to Swoops World on the Talk Story Radio network and uh this is going to be a good friend of ours normandy wilson this is called before i go back after this
Talk Story Radio Network. Hey, there's a shot full on the wall. You listening to Swirl. Wow, welcome back to Soup's World on the Talk Story Radio Network. We're going to try to get our guest on the line right now. Got to get this key keyed up, you know, just mm-hmm. in case. And we'd like to welcome actor and designer and architect James Wilder to the show. How are you doing, James? I'm good. How are you? Doing great, man. Doing great. And uh, thanks you so much for joining us on the show tonight and uh, have our listeners get a chance to, to hear what's happening with you. Now, you uh, let's, let's just kind of start. Let's go way back. Uh, apparently, you you, uh, you, were, you grew up in Sausalito, huh? Yeah, that's right. I did. And uh, and then uh, I was you know I was reading your I was reading your bio there that you you, you know you kind of took to uh, you know all kinds of little things in, in the beginning and you you did some uh, chainsaw juggling yeah, I, started, and, <laughs> I started shining shoes in the street and then I uh, San Francisco had that whole bohemian influence like the post Tate Ashbury period and uh, you know there was guitar players and I was so young they were saying you know here comes your son here comes your son I was like wow that's amazing did you write that oh yeah we wrote that wow. <laughs> They're singing Beatles and Stone song. I don't, you know, I'm not, I'm completely, uh, not, not, don't even have a clue. And, uh, <laughs> I, you know, I started to put together like a little one man street show and, um, it was cool. It was really neat. And the tourists dug it. And pretty soon I got spotted by a international booking agent and I was booked in the Moulin Rouge to go play, uh, in Paris by myself. And wow. Uh, it was amazing. You know, it's the Moulin Rouge was just like the movie, except they didn't speak English. So, um, <laughs> that was, you know, it kind of took me on a tour around, and that kind of covers me up to 14 anyway. Wow. I mean, what was that experience like, I mean, going there so young? Uh, you know, it was really amazing just because my mom's Parisian. My father was, uh, you know, from southern Italy and grew up in Cleveland. He was like a tough guy, you know motorcycles and uh just a tough cool guy and my mom was you know uh, like a bridget bardot lookalike so you know they got married they couldn't even speak the same language oh. <laughs> but they spoke, they, some kind of language they spoke is i'm here that's <laughs> <laughs> so, true that uh, man true that <laughs> there you go and my, my dad told me, he said it one time, he said, you know the worst thing I ever did to your mother? And I said, oh, my God. I go, I don't know if I really want to know. He goes, I taught her English. 
that was just sort of that was the nature of their relationship. It was uh, very much uh, who's afraid of Virginia Woolf, <laughs> and uh, it was like you know volcanic chaos at every turn. You had two people that just loved each other. I was like, you know, was Sid and Nancy written after you guys? <laughs> so, uh, you know, of course, then, you know, it, since I'm an only child, that was my template for relationships. Very solid. Yeah, how's that working out for you? <laughs> oh, just wonderful. Just wonderful. You know, I'm on house arrest right now. <laughs> so, uh, Anyway, yeah. Oh my gosh! Well, you got it. You know, when you're in that case, when you're in that kind of madhouse circus, it's you know, uh, you, you just find your way to do your own thing. Yeah. And that was like the street performing and traveling. My mom was Parisian, so she didn't have any problem letting me go to Paris because she knew it. She was from there. You know, and this was predated airbags and kid strollers wearing a hockey helmet and yeah. just, you know, little Bobby happens to go two miles an hour into a soft wall. It was just, you know, you made your own way. And so, uh, it was, it was the, the period of evil Knievel, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I like that. Like Houdini was my hero. You know, my, my whole thing was to escape death and jump off into piers shackled in chains and see if I could get out and eat fire and juggle running chainsaws all kinds of, uh, you know, identity crisis, look at me type thing. <laughs> <laughs> How did you get into the, 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 the act? I mean, you do so many things. Let's, let's, let's tackle acting for, for a bit here. How'd you, how did you get into the acting? Uh, you know, the actual booking, booking, uh, you know, yeah, you did the Moulin Rouge thing, but I'm talking about when you were actually booking TV shows, you've been on several series, uh, you were Melrose place and, and all, and all these other things and, and, uh, and movies and whatnot. How did, how did you actually start doing that? Well, I came down to Los Angeles in a custom van I built, and it was like a show wagon type thing because I would drive it out to the Mardi Gras during those periods while I was in high school, and I would perform, perform on Bourbon Street with this one-man show. And uh, eventually, you know, high school ended. You know, I, I learned how to spell G-E-D. And so I, I drove south because Northern California, as Mark Twain said, the coldest uh, summer, uh, winter I ever spent was a summer in San Francisco. <laughs> and if you're, you know, if your show, if you're performing outside, you know, I mean, uh, it's, it's conducive to weather. So I decided to go south, came down to Southern California, and there was Venice Beach, you know, just like Venice Beach in the brochures and the postcards and commercials, it looks awesome. Then you get there, you lock yourself in a car and look for a sharp object. So um, it was really different. It was kind of mayhem and very tourist-driven, and I was doing this one-man show of juggling bowling balls and chainsaws. And I kind of got spotted by all these kind of cool um, nightclub owners, you know, uh, the late, great, um, uh, um, oh, great. <laughs> blanking on his name now. Uh, Elmer Valentine, who owned and created, along with Mario, uh, the Whiskey of Go-Go, Legendary, the Roxy, Legendary, and uh, I think he had his hand. Oh, and the Rainbow. The Rainbow, still going today. You know, yeah. the, the haunting spot of Motley Crue, and, you know, on and on and on. So I was performing. I had a motorcycle at that time because living in the van down in Station 25, and they had outdoor 
surfer showers. And uh, there was a band at that time called the Surf Punks. And they were very territorial about their waves. So if you were an outsider using their waves or their outdoor showers, you know, they got they got that on your ass. So I bought a surfboard from some guy. I had no idea how to surf. Strapped it to the top, the top of my custom van. Now that gave me the authority to use those outdoor <laughs> showers. So now I had an outdoor shower. I had a bedroom in the coolest oceanfront living room with Santa Monica Beach Station 25, and pay phones at that time had ringbacks. Yeah. And, uh, so, you know, when people would answer the phone, and go, oh, yeah, we're here at the beach office. How can I help you? That was my secretary. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's okay, Susie. I'll be right here. I'll, I'll take care of this call. And, um, you know, it's kind of operating, uh, you know, a Glen Gary, Glen Ross out at the beach. So um, when I took the motorcycle and saddled it down with these bowling balls and chainsaws and flaming torches and whatnot to go perform to, uh, well, here you call it lines, I guess. I've been in Europe so long, I think, uh, queues, you know, the, the queues that line up for the to go inside the club. Right. Um, I think the Dead Kennedys, I saw all kinds of weird acts. I was performing, and then Elmer Valentine leans out of the top of the Whiskey of Go-Go, their, their office window, you know, evening time, said, hey, kid. I think, you know, he said he was an ex-Chicago cop, really cool guy. And he said, uh, why don't you come perform inside the club? And I said, well, you know, how much is it? He goes, I'll give you 50 bucks or, or whatever he said. I, don't know. I, don't yeah. know. I said, I make more outside the club. Why am I going to do you got to be kidding me. And he goes, oh, I like this kid. He's got fire in the belly. Come here, come here. We'll talk. You know, next thing I knew, I was performing inside the club and, uh, you know, working with all kinds of really cool wild rock and roll acts. And then, you know, I kind of did the whole circuit. Eventually, I was doing the Greek theater, you know, and um, people, obviously, it being a, uh, you know, uh, entertainment town, it said, you know, you ever thought of being an actor? And I said, oh, man, I, said, I can't stand actors. I've never met an actor that I like. They are just so self-involved and they're just so fake. <laughs> I said, you know, it's they're supposed to deal in truth. I've never met a group of people that are more fake in my life, you know. And so, uh, and then I became one. You know? <laughs> so it's just uh, that's what happened. You know? Wow. What yeah, year? So, what year were you down there in Venice Beach juggling? Oh my God! Like eighties, uh, you know, eighties. Yeah, yeah I, I'm pretty sure I saw you. I yeah. To... Oh yeah. Everybody saw me. They're selling a postcard of me. That was the whole thing that was so funny was that I went under a name of Marcel and I had, you know, my, my street show was the Marcel Medicine Show. I used to say, I got it here. I'm going to show it to you now. The most amazing and amusing, educational and confusing. Artifact, both gavels out of me. Ever before, witness the public. That's right. That's right up. It was this whole kind of um, political satire, which was really cool from an 11-year-old kid. You know, and um, doing like, wow, is he doing like satire? And it was mixed with the really showy stuff that got people's attention. It was the humor and the satire that kept people there. And when people were trying to urge me to be an actor, they said, no, he's really funny. I, can't, I don't, but he doesn't look funny. So I don't know where he falls. You know, he's not a half hour sitcom guy. And, uh, you know, he's not a comedy film guy. And I, so I had nowhere to go. And I, I got really pissed and I said, you know what? 
I'm going to go for intense drama. I'm going to change my name, dye my hair, and go for intense drama. And I did, because my hair was blonde living at the beach. Dyed my hair brown, changed the name to James Wilder from James Marcel, because I like James. And um, uh, went after these um, really intense pieces, because nobody knew who I was. And one of the first things that I got that was really cool was playing a track athlete that got hooked on crack cocaine. And Ed Asner played my father in it. And it was really, um, it was a great, I mean, it was a really cool piece to work on because yeah. uh, it was at that time. And then the next sort of follow-up thing was this movie for Miramax, Murder One, where they sent me to Reedsville State Penitentiary Um Reedsville State Penitentiary uh, at a level six facility to meet the guy that I'm going to play. Wow. And, after, you know, so after I did that, people said, man, this guy's so intense. He's so serious, you know. And it was like nobody ever thought of me as ever being able to be funny or light or easygoing ever. So I got <laughs> branded the other way, you know. <laughs> Oh, you with 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 the resume you have. I mean, it's 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 so extensive. I mean, you many many years of acting and stuff. But yet, you you've been also successful with your with your architecture and your design. How did you kind of drift into that? You know, it's a good question. If you start shining shoes, being a white kid in Oakland, uh, shining shoes, you must have a death wish. <laughs> <laughs> And your, your clientele was all white businessmen, and they would turn to me and say, um, you know, I'd say, hey, can I shine your shoes? And they go, no. And I go, why? And they go, they say, because you're white. And I go, because I'm white, I can't shine shoes? It was really weird. I mean, it was like reverse racism in some sort of oddball category. And I said, okay, this has got limited job opportunity here. I better move on. So, uh, <laughs> Got to have a, a, a plan B, right? <laughs> yeah, that's what, what do they say. They say, you know, never have a plan B because it interferes with plan A. <laughs> but, uh, this isn't working. We've got to go to plan B. So, yeah, so I did the street show, which is, of course, much more successful. But I think what happened was when I was building props for my show, and then I was building motorcycles and, like, custom vans and things. I became what I call, and I don't even know if this is the correct terminology or if it's just invented in my own obscure uh, dialogue, but I, I'm a tactile artist, mm -hmm. meaning that um, I like to create art out of physical things. And acting is something that's basically uh, psychological behavioralism as far as I'm concerned. You know, you manifest your... Uh, your physical attributes to fit the character, but what's really important is the psychology of the behavior. I mean, if you're playing a killer, anybody can take a prop gun, pull the trigger, go bang, and say, yeah, I killed him. But that isn't what makes anybody believe that you did. You have to actually see the psyche of what brought that person to make that decision. Right. And so it's very cerebral. It's very, uh, a lot of psychological work and the psyche. And then you know, the housing of it all is, is your physical body, but it's basically behavioralism. And it's awesome, but, man, it is exhausting, man, playing serial killers and crack addicts and stuff like that. You need a break. And so um, that break time, I'm somebody that 
I, 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 I can only rest after a full day's work. Right. You know, otherwise I just can't sleep because I just have tons of energy. So I wanted, and I always had been into art forms and tactile art, like even it's, well, it doesn't sound artistic, but people that build bikes, and you've seen beautiful motorcycles that they actually roll, not not that well. They're not really safe, but they're beautiful. <laughs> and, I mean, they're like art pieces to me. Right. And uh, all the props for my show were things that I built. And so then I said, you know, um, let me get into another thing that would be really exciting to take on that challenge and do living spaces that are, you know, do architecture, architecture that are living spaces that are basically built by an artist for an artist for other artists. And so that's what I did. Wow. And, uh, I, and that's how I got into that arena. I would alternate doing that tactile art uh, alone because you're really doing it alone except with a crew. And, you know, I, I speak French. I don't speak Spanish. So I'm really alone when I'm doing and um, the thing is, is that uh, then when you go do a film, you're with a group and it's a completely different art form, those two things. But I think they both are art forms. Oh, so that's absolutely. how I got into that arena. And I, I was doing some reading and apparently <clears throat> your, your architecture stuff became, became a big hit. I mean, are they use it, you use it for, uh, I don't know, it sounds like they use them for... Uh, photo shoots and some of the stuff you built, and I, I guess some people are, are, are up in the Hollywood Hills. I, you built some houses up there, people that, that uh, have gone there yeah. and all that kind of good stuff? Yeah, I have like nine living spaces, but, um, what, and they're all kind of interconnected yet completely separate. You know, I don't know if you know Ilya Kazan and the group theater, mm -hmm. and they, I'm a member of the Actors Studio, was really neat is that they had one unit, like a like a paramilitary unit and you had your writers and your actors and your uh, directors and they all worked together uh, and then would all work independently. And, and it was a group, you know, it was a group theater. And then because of McCarthyism, they were all basically jailed or executed because people <laughs> thought they were communists, but they weren't, they were just an extension of Stanislavski which is the origin of method acting right. that Brando and Montgomery Cliff and James Dean, when they changed acting and they made it behavioralism and acting from the inside out as opposed to RADA, which is the Royal Academy of Dramatic Arts, the English actors who are fantastic, but they're acting from the outside in because their language is so musical. You know what I mean? And that, um, you know, is that still reading, the, the same system with the, the Uta Hagen uh, was kind of a part yeah, of yeah. yeah exactly yeah yeah Uta Hagen and Peggy Fury and uh, you know uh, um, Sally Kirkland and you know these are these are Milton Caselas and uh, these great great legendary forces that shaped and created acting to be something other than the period that America was into the musicals right. and I think they're into the musicals. And comedies, because it was that depression period. People don't want to see film noir, and they don't want to see, uh, you know, Stella. You know, they don't want to see uh, characters going through pain when they themselves are going through financial dire straits. So 
you know, in the 50s, when everybody got fat and everybody was, like, home free and there was two cars in the front yard and, you know, it, all of a sudden everybody said, hey, man, we're ready for heavy stories that are, you know, you know, dangerous and, 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 and offbeat. And so this is where I think that it was sort of the precipice and the, the uh, you know, the, uh, the uh, germinating seed of um, method acting taking off and becoming really popular. Right. And how this does, in a circuitous way, get back to what I'm talking about architecture-wise, is that I really love that whole core group of these very individual people that were part of a group theater that all had their own individuality but they would work as a hub. So I cr tried to create these living spaces for other artists to come into and create. And I've had some amazing people. I mean, just, uh, and, you know, a month ago, Stevie Wonder was here. And, like, oh, man, he played the piano for me. <laughs> I mean, unbelievable. <laughs> I, I, was like, I was emotional. I was like, I can't believe it. And he's tall. And yes. he's cool. Yeah. And he looks like he could beat my ass. <laughs> I'm kind of, you know, I'm pretty tough, you know. And I was just like, oh, my God, this is unbelievable. I'll never forget this moment in my life. And then Steven Tyler was here. And they, you know, I was with the original core group of the Cirque du Soleil when I was 15. It was called the Nouveau Cirque de Paris, which means the new circus of Paris. But, of course, you know, oh, it's a circus. This is boring. I'd much rather get over to the Moulin Rouge where there's all this, you know, hot Hot chicks, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, much more interesting than elephants. <laughs> you know. So, um, I, I, but they created the show. Michael, you know, was the writer here, obviously after Michael Jackson and Mark Hansen, who created uh, the movie Three Hundred. Oh. You know, did that here, and Lourdes was here, and the cast of Glee. Um, you know, you know, it's just I, I man, I, these are just a few. Annie Leibovitz, the, the, the legendary <laughs> photographer. So yeah. people from all these different arenas around you, and and you know, uninterrupted because I'm not trying to be, you know, I'm not trying to say, hey, let's all do a cosmic together. I mean, I, not at all. Right. It's just I love that they're inspired by my space, and then my space feels like it's somehow permeated with that master artistry that has come in and created something very unique in that space. So, um, you know, yeah, I'm sorry if I sound a little passionate about it. Uh, hey, passion is good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you touched on something, and I want to ask you about that. You know, you're talking about the method yeah. acting thing. And, and I remember reading, reading a while back that they were saying, you know, one of the – the breakthroughs in acting, I, I believe it was Marlon Brando. I think it was, it was on the waterfront. He's he's got yeah. a, he's got a walking uh, dialogue with somebody. He drops a glove, picks it up, and keeps walking and keeps doing his dialogue. And and they said that was like this amazing moment in, in acting. Well, that's what anybody would do. And it's amazing that we think now that you know, prior to that, or you know, acting was so much of. Delivering your line is exactly like it was, and, and if, if you dropped something or if something like that happened, it, that you would naturally bend over and pick it up and keep doing whatever you're doing. Uh, they would stop. Right. They would stop and reshoot the whole thing. And it's just amazing that because it was all fucking rehearsed, yeah. rehearsed, rehearsed, rehearsed. Yeah, it was like okay, here we're going to do it the first time, and that's going to be spontaneous. But we don't know our lines or what we're doing or where we're going. Kind of like right now, kind of <laughs> like real life. You don't know where I'm going. I don't know what you're going to ask me. And so it's kind of moment to moment. Right. And that's what 
great acting is moment to moment. And the guy drops his glove, and he could be talking about his father that just passed away. But right now, you know, he picks up that glove and just looks at it and sees the face of his father. And he doesn't talk about it. He doesn't telegraph it. He doesn't expository dialogue it. You just see it within the expression of a really good actor taking a moment. And then, like, in real life, he doesn't want people to see because he's a man. He doesn't want to see, have people see that vulnerability in that moment. But we as the audience catch it. And then he changes the subject. So, hey, man, um, you want to go get some hot dogs up at the corner? <laughs> yeah. you know, and you go, wow, that was an amazing moment. And that's what great acting to me, you know, is. And I think great acting pretty much to everybody. Absolutely. Well, let's uh, let's talk about, uh, you have a new movie out called, I guess he changed the title. Right now, it's, it's currently, I mean, it, it, there's three holes and a smoking gun, right? Right, uh, right. It, it was originally originally yeah. something else, but... Uh, well, it, yes, that's right. It was originally three holes, two grads, and a smoking gun, which you could tell the writer, you know, that was the writer's title. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's, you know, it's written by a writer. He has his right, but they kind of trimmed it, and I think it's smoother and cleaner and sounds more Guy Ritchie, you know? Yeah, it does. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, it's not a Guy Ritchie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, well, you know, uh, apparently you're getting great reviews out of it. I, apparently, I, I see you won an Independent Spirit Award. You won a Golden Garden State uh, Film Festival uh, for Best Actor. Uh, tell, tell us a little bit about the movie and uh, your part in the movie and what it's like to uh, get all this acclaim. Well, yeah, it's, it's very interesting, too. I mean, uh, my dad uh, passed away uh, probably about six or seven years ago. And um, uh, when he did, I'm an only child. Um, I felt at that point it was a, a, a void in my space. Like, my dad was that guy that, you know, hey, do your thing. If you ever get arrested, don't worry about it, or what the cops are going to do to you. I go, I knew he was in the mafia. <laughs> Cleveland, Ohio, everybody says he's in the mafia. He is. And then he followed it up because you're going to wish that the cops kept you because I am going to beat your ass <laughs> so bad if you get arrested and start doing Because I grew up in a kind of a, the area of San Francisco and, and Sausalito, they're all pot growers and everybody was dealing and, you know, is that a whole drug period? So he just wanted to say, man, please, man, don't disrespect me and just start slinging cane, you know what I mean, and yeah. becoming some drug dealer and a pot. He said, you know, I think you're going to take a single engine Cessna and buzz it over from PJ and drop 50 kilos <laughs> and make yourself a million. You know what? It, it, it's not like in the movie. You know, and so he he held kind of like a tight line, like do your thing, but just you know don't ruin your life. So he was this uh, uh, he was a force, man. You know, and when he, you know, just one day on Christmas, I mean on Christmas, just dropped dead. I mean, just out of nowhere. And to that day. He was, he was a state champion wrestler, and I used to box. He used to always joke, you know, I can outbox. He says, man, go ahead. Go ahead, brother. I, I said, I, I will grab one fist, pull you down to the ground, and I will just choke you out. <laughs> and, you know, and he could really do that. And it was, it was cool and, you know, in a way of, like, now looking at it, not, you know, being so, 
melodramatic about it. I, I like the fact that I remember him in that way. Right. You know, I didn't lose him, or, you know, watch him dwindle down to 85 pounds and go out bad, you know. He kind of he went out with his boots on, and uh, and uh, it's sad, but you know it's it's you know life does have death connected to it. Yeah. Know? So so after that, I kind of stopped acting because I felt like wow, you know, I did a you know I did a you know Sugar Babies, which was a Broadway show, and I you know I did this TV show that we won the Emmy, his best one hour drama, you know, so kind of, you know, and I did. Uh, you know, this Miramax movie that was really, you know, that I told you about and, and these projects. And I felt like I never really had a desire to become a household fixture and the biggest star ever. And everyone knows my name. I just thought that's not really, um, you're living in a bubble and, and stalkers and all kinds of weirdness that goes along with that super stardom. I was never really interested in that. I was just interested in doing really interesting, cool projects that are life-changing to me or to others or hopefully both right and when he passed i kind of went god i guess in a weird way i don't have anything to prove to anybody or i maybe it wasn't anything to prove but i didn't have anyone to share it with you know he really he really dug it in his own quiet cool way he was like you know he'd call his buddies in cleveland and go hey man you know you got a movie coming out he's playing in circa it's pretty cool you know he 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 was gone and i kind of said, gee, you know, I think my mom needs, like, you know, somebody to lean on right now, and, and, uh, and I just, just stopped asking, you know, they just, since I stopped asking, um, but, I, and I had my architecture that was, as I would tell any artist, make sure you figure out the alternate income stream. <laughs> right, right, exactly. <laughs> because, you know, asking is really nice and generous when it is. And when it isn't, it is a lean machine. <laughs> so um, I had these properties and these, these spaces, and it was income stream. I said, you know what, I don't have to work, you know. And, and now movies, I mean, I heard one guy tell me, a, a, a pretty famous guy, they made a movie on three iPhone 5s. Really? <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> I mean, is now low budget, like low budget <laughs> isn't under a million. Low budget is like, you know, I've got a Ford cashier's check <laughs> you know, and, and a $500 gift certificate at the Apple store. Let's make a movie. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and they do it. That's what's so shocking. Yeah. They do it. I mean, you don't need a lighting department anymore. The camera does it for you. I mean, uh, you know, the camera is the size of your fist, and it's unbelievable, especially for, you know, sepia tones, which you just add on your app onto the phone. Right. It's like, oh, my God. You know, it used to be black and white film today was more expensive to do, like Raging Bull, than it was color. Well, not anymore. You grab your iPhone 5, you set it on black and white, put it on green tone. You know, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. So, uh, anyway, I'm at a bar. And I'm at a bar called Hemingway's, named after the, uh, you know, the, the magnanimous writer Ernest Hemingway. Yeah. Uh, with his tragic, you know, fina <laughs> uh, finality. So uh, it's all done in a literature motif. All these books, beautifully, you know, pencil lit with all kinds of, you know, typewriters from the from the classic uh, typewriter days, and it was just really 
an homage to just, you know, to, you know, a legendary icon. Like so I get a place. little tap on my shoulder, and I turn around, and it's this, you know, nebbish, intellectual guy that says, uh, hi, hi, uh, you know, I want to introduce myself. I'm, I'm a writer. I was like, uh, oh, huh, how coincidental. I was like, uh, okay. And he says, I want to talk to you. I have a script that I'm very interested in you reading and, and possibly doing. And I said, uh, okay, yeah, what's it about? He goes, well, it's about a writer. And I, went, <laughs> I go, okay. So I said, you're going to give me a script to play a writer, and you're a writer in a bar named after a writer. <laughs> I go, okay, where's Ashton Kutcher? I'm not that stupid. Obviously, I'm trying to get punched here, and I'm a step ahead of the game. But I wasn't a step ahead of the game. This was real life. And it's like, I'll... Sometimes, you know, when you're doing the movies and things, that real life is so outrageous, the audience would never believe it. So you can't do it right. because real life sometimes is so unreal or surreal, you, you can't, you, nobody will believe it, so you can't do it. This was one of those moments. So like a trifecta, you know, at the track, I had two mud runners and, the, you know, and the broken legged pony. I said, maybe this is going to be a hot picket. I read it. I thought, wow, this is a very, very challenging part. And I said, but you know what? You've been out of the game. If you're going to get in the game, you might as well go for something really big because if you fail, who cares? You know, you bit off more than you can chew. Nobody's going to. You know, nobody's gonna, nobody's gonna know. Nobody's gonna care. You've been out of the business for a while. And I go, if you hit it home, I said, man, the pinch hitter pulled all the runners home. That was a grand slam. <laughs> and the kids that was the blind kids found the baseball. <laughs> it was just, it, it was unbelievable. And it's become that kind of project. Wow. You know. Did. Uh... Where did, where did you guys I mean, just to give you an idea, sorry not to sound narcissistic, but last night, they had, the, the actor studio, which you all know, where they do the interviews, you right. know what I mean, with, with actors, uh, four actors. Well, the West Coast version of that is called uh, Screen Actor Guild Conversations. And uh, you go to the, the, you know, the SAG building. Right. Um, they screen your movie. And the only people that are allowed to come in are people with SAG cards. And you know, I mean, the whole SAG card thing, the Catch-22, you only get a SAG card if you get a part in a movie. You only get a part in a movie if you have a SAG card. So, I mean, that in itself is this odd Catch-22, you know, uh, arrangement. And so I went there. They asked me to speak. Wow. I was like, the Screen Actors Guild, I go, how awesome to other actors. So I went to watch my movie, and now I'm among my fellow constituents. You know, it's like I'm a chef that's preparing a meal for all the chefs to take. <laughs> I was oh, no. <laughs> this is just going to be like, ah, you know, you should have used sea salt. Not that typical Morton stuff. You know, I, thought, oh, I said, I'm going to get brutalized, but that's okay. But uh, no, man, it was awesome. It was so inspirational. For me, for I, I, it was one of those magic moments in my life that, uh, you know, will forever not be taken away. Nice, yeah. nice. 
you, you know, yeah. you, for, you forgot the third dilemma with the SAG thing because I got I got tapped Hartley and I didn't join. Right, right I didn't I didn't join right away. So when I went to, when I went to go join uh, last year, I think it was. They go, well, we don't have a record of bringing it, bringing your pay stub. I don't have a freaking pay stub anymore. <laughs> I'm not going to prove this. <laughs> I guess I have to bring right. in a copy of the show. I don't know. <laughs> it's unbelievable. I mean, Tap, who is Tap Hartman? Who knows? They have a bronze statue of James Dean at the Griffith Observatory for what he you know, uh, uh, represented. And they should have Tap Hartman <laughs> on the statue of him at the unemployment center. You know? <laughs> And he would get way more, you know, traffic at the unemployment center for sure than Jimmy Dean will up there on the hill. So yeah. true. <laughs> so the the premise behind the movie is is, is you play you play a, a a writer or an instructor. Well, it's kind of interesting. I that I play a writer that had it all. Um. He, uh, you know, he wrote, he obviously wrote a film script or two that just, just knocked it out of the park and, and, and made big bank and critical review and the whole thing. And now he's a young guy that can write his own ticket, you right. know, um, he, you know, he did it. And then he just abused a la Charlie Sheen. And I love Charlie Sheen, by the way, but, you know, just abused Hollywood privileges over and over and over again, but like Charlie Sheen, extremely talented to get away with this, uh, and then the plug gets pulled. You know, it just goes one <laughs> level too far, and the plug gets pulled, so you are now poisoned. No one will work with you for any cost, <laughs> any reason, no matter what. He is now um, in this doldrums of his life, and you know, does a reality check, is this really happening to me? So he decides to open a writing class in New York City, get writers in there, and then these writers would be the ghost writers of his scripts to then import back over to Hollywood to get done his movies that are really his script for people who don't know what ghost writers are. It's, it's my script as the character, but has a different pen name on it. Right. And that's where our story starts. So the backstory, which is really, you know, important, um, as an actor, you have to see that through the course of the, uh, of the, uh, experience that, you know, transcends this storyline. And so it goes into a lot of directions and, um, you know, it's, it's very, very, very interesting, very, I wouldn't say convoluted, but, but complicated to play um, psychologically. Um, you know, you know what was really interesting? The reviewer, uh, who was a Hollywood Reporter reviewer, I can't remember his name, interviewed me last night, uh, last night, and said, you know, this reminded me very much of Travis Bickle. I said, Travis Bickle. He goes from, from Taxi Driver. <laughs> and I, I was, I was going like, I, it felt like a setup. Like I was like, are you comparing my performance to Robert De Niro <laughs> and Taxi Driver? I wasn't even going to touch that because I mean, this was just like, you know, I, and I, I thought he would then say, if I did say that, 
no, dude, that was the newspaper kid. I'm the owner of the newspaper. So I left it alone. It was the Shushan guy. Um, yeah, exactly. I left it alone. And, um, and it, you know, and then later I was like, oh, wow, you know, he, he saw some element of that, you know, complication within the character and, you know, playing against what's going on with him. So anyway, it's really cool. Um, but that's the kind of character that gives you a little bit of an idea wow. um, of, of where that story goes with that person's, um, you know, his drive yeah. you know, and his, his choices in life. And things. Did, did, did you guys film yeah. it in New York or was it filmed locally? You know, you, you, you not, you're going to get booed so hard <laughs> if you try to do uh, California for New York. <laughs> you know, if you're going to do New York, you better go to New York. You know, it was brutal weather-wise, but, uh, that's, you know, that's how it goes. Three yeah, holes and a smoking gun. gun. And uh, is, 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 where is it playing? Um, it's going to open at the, my favorite, the Lemley oh, in Beverly things. Hills, yeah. the Music Hall, which is my favorite art house place. You know, it's sort of my, you know, dream place. Yeah. I, I, oddly enough, another dream, I, I had a movie, The Murder One, played at the Egyptian oh. on Hollywood Boulevard. Yeah. It shows you how kind of, I guess, artsy-fartsy I am. You know, I'd rather have played these, like, cool vintage theaters than... You know the Cinerama Dome and all that stuff. Yeah, but but anyway, that's where it's playing in in Los Angeles and in New York and in landmark theaters uh, peppered across the United States. Nice, uh, James. We we tried to cover a lot of things tonight. I want to make sure we talk about all the things you want to talk about. Was there anything that we haven't touched on yet that you want to talk about? I don't think so. I mean, <laughs> no. I mean, I'm good. I'm good if you're good. Excellent. Um, Tell, tell people, you know, if they want to, you know, you know, the social media, everybody wants to follow you. They want to know what you're having for dinner and all those kind of things. Are you on Twitter and uh, Facebook and all those types of things? Um, I, I just entered the arena of Facebook. So I have Facebook, which would be Facebook, James Wilder. Uh, I think the word pages is in there somewhere, but I think, I think if you just go to Facebook and you pull up James Wilder, I'll come up. Yeah, you know what? And actually, actually, you can go to jameswilderactor.com and it'll take you to your Facebook page. Oh, see, see what I mean? See, <laughs> see what kind of like I, I'm just this, the computer game. I try to keep my head out of it, but you know, it, I'm I'm in it to a degree. If uh, and with the with the. Uh, the uh, living spaces. Now people can uh, rent that out and use it for oh, things. Yeah. How do people now find that, that? Yeah, you can go to the. It's important that the the is in there. The t h e modern villas and villas being plural. The modern villas dot com, and it'll take you to this site uh, that has the you know the properties and these bubbles and virtual tours and. Yeah, it's 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 uh, it's, it's, uh, it's cool. Yeah, yeah. I actually took a, I took a look at that. That was very cool. It was very cool to check check that out, and and uh, it looks like some pretty cool views from there too. Oh yeah. Oh man. You know what I mean? It's like if you're gonna live at the beach, 
you better not live on the east side of the GTA. <laughs> I mean, what was the point, dude? You know what I mean? It's just like, you should have just stayed in the valley and bought a pool. You know? Oh, yeah, you, you got a good point there, bro. <laughs> right, right. You know, so, real... you know the, Go ahead. The, the views are kind of what make, you know, I try to build all around the beauty of the view and, and uh, you know, the, that kind of thing. Nice. Real, one last quick question. I mean, you know, you, you, you talk about growing up and, and the kind of the cool things you did. And, you know, we live in, a, you, know, you, you kind of touched on it earlier. We live in a, a society now where, you know, you talk about the helmets. And I, 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 was, I watched something on the news the other day where some people, you know, their kids walked home from the park and somebody called the police and said, you know, they're being abused because they made them walk home from the park. And, you know, it was like, yeah. a, you know, I had less than a half a mile, you know. It, the way you grew up, you know, if you would t- if you were talking to somebody now and say, you know, what would you suggest? I mean, that's a, I mean to me, it sounds like it was it was a great thing, and it might not work for everybody, but it, it should would work for a lot of people. Uh, and I think you know we've come to the point where we we coddle uh, our kids so much these days where they don't have have a chance to get some of those great experiences. No, I totally agree with you, hundred percent. I'll tell you a couple things for me. You know. Um, I would stop watching the news for a couple weeks and just see if you feel better just from that. Unfortunately, it's like by comparison, the, the news outlets and media outlets for, you know, I, I witness news because people, I think, in this country, they, people watch the news, and as long as what's happening out there is a, a worse day, and what happened to me today, I feel better. Yeah. So it's really strange because I've traveled all over. I've lived in Africa. I lived, I mean, I've lived, I've lived in Asia and every part of Europe, and I've lived in Russia and Argentina and whatever. And it's the only place in the world that I've been to that all we get is bad news. Yeah. It's a drag. So I notice whenever I watch the news, I just start to feel bad. I mean, guess what? What's happening out there isn't my world it's the world but you know we all have our own little private idahos that we want to like funnel good energy to whatever that may be for you you want to help people that are homeless you want to help the blind you want to help uh you know whatever you can still do that you know you just don't have to watch bad news all day and then i also feel we're in a country too that still bases itself on capitalism there's a great book it's very yin and yang and it's called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Yeah. Why they don't give this in grammar schools is just a general educational principle in what is called asset and liability flowcharts. Why they're trying to teach kids algebra and that X times Y or E equals MC squared. It's like, where do you apply that in your everyday life? You don't. You need to know what are your assets, really, and what are your liabilities, and how do you make that to the ebbs and flows or yin and yang of your, your negatives, your positives, your, your liabilities, and your assets work. It's a great, like, starting book that is written in a very stable form, and uh, those two things. And then I just think, you know what, whatever, it's like <clears throat> Henry Ford said, if you think you can or you think you can't. You're right. <laughs> That's you true. Know? So true. Yeah. 
So just hold on to what you want to do and go for it. And keep, just keep, you know, it's hard work. It's like skill. You know, talent is one thing and skill is another thing. And people say this. I think I heard Will, Will Smith say this. And he said that, listen, my talent is whatever my talent is. He said, I don't think it's that great. He said, but my skill, he said, you've never seen anybody work harder at anything ever. He said, if I'm on a running machine, the only way that you won't get off the running machine before I get off the running machine is if I die. (laughs) Wow, man, that is commitment to a thing. Now, you don't have to go that far. You know, he's a superstar and he's earned his right. But, I mean, go after what it is that you want to do first, not what you feel you should do. You know, go after your dreams. This is a this is still a country of, of, of immigrants and, and dreamers, and, and things happen. They really do. I mean, I was, listen, I was parked in Nowheresville for like six, seven years because the movie, you know, once you get off that boat, you know, people don't call your name anymore and whatnot. And out of the blue, I said, hey, I want to try to manifest a really cool project. It came my way. And I mean, I cannot believe, I think I'm in a dream right now. Nice. You know, I feel like I'm living a dream. Man, good advice. Uh, James, it's been a pleasure talking to you, man. And uh, we look forward to seeing the, seeing the movie t- soon. And uh, All right. keep, keep working hard, brother. Thank you, brother. Peace. Peace. Have a good one. Thank you. James Wilder uh, was our guest tonight. Uh, check him out. He's in a new movie called Three Holes and a Smoking Gun. Yeah, you can find out more about him at uh, jameswilderactor.com or themodernvillas.com. You're listening to the Swoops Road on the Talk Story Radio Network. It's about time for brewskis, so we're going to take a quick break, listen to some Jimmy Yamagishi, and back after this. Breath away, and if you came. 
can share the topics that drive the discussions of your favorite talk shows with TalkStream Live's topic-driven talk radio. we got to talk. Let's take a drive. List and promote real-time talk radio topics or post the topics that you want to hear. Hot topics are tweeted and retweeted and include simple click-to-listen audio links. The future of talk radio is topic-driven talk radio. Well, that's what I call real drive. Available now at TalkStreamLive.com. Talk Story Radio. I'm Melissa, Kelly, and Gabby. We're Remy Kaga, and, and you're listening, listening to Soup's World Radio. Drinking that ice cold beer. <laughs> time for brewskis. It's time for brewskis. Our beer tasting segment right here at Swoops World Late Night. Sponsored by DrinksWineSpirits.com. So grab yourself a glass, pour yourself a brew, and join us right now for brewskis. Sponsored by DrinksWineSpirits.com. Happy Wednesday, and welcome to the Wait, most important... <laughs> most important part of the show, uh, the brewski part, the part where we officially drink beer. Uh, tonight we're having one from Ninkasi Brewery, a uh, brewing, uh, which is, uh, we've definitely done some other stuff. I don't recall off the top of my head what those other ones were, but um, I think in both cases, I'm pretty sure we tried them twice, and, and I think we had a general overall consensus that uh, these guys make a good beer. Yeah. Um, we didn't always – one of the beers, I remember, was some sort of a Belgian, and we were sort of like, eh, not our style, but still well-made, well-done, well-produced. Anyhow, tonight's brew is one of their new ones, one of their special releases called The Devil Went Down to Oregon. I don't know how they came up with that, but uh, it's an imperial dark rye beer. And uh, 
I've had some rye beers. I've heard all those words together. I know. Yeah, I've never heard. I was just right there with you. I never heard all those together. <laughs> and I, I've had. I've personally been hit and miss with the rye beers. There have been times where I'm just like, oh my god, this is too spicy and funky to like wow i didn't realize the rye was in there so there's there's a ranger we'll have to see what this is it's, look at the look at the ibus on yes ibus i was just going there with uh, 65 so that's on the high side uh it doesn't top 100 which is what those crazy the really heavy heavy big ipas are but for the imperial ipas that's pretty high and then the rye will add some uh, some bittering the 7.2 percent alcohol is a plus and uh as I said, this is their first year they've produced this brew, and here's what they have to say about it. <clears throat> it might be a sin, but take the bet, and you won't regret this beer from start to end. It's a collaboration in a collaboration spanning Oregon's beautiful, bountiful, I should say, Willamette Valley to Virginia's heartland. Steve Crandall and Jason Oliver of Devil's Backbone Brewing took the bet and gave the devil his due when our founding brewer Jamie Lloyd, Jamie Floyd came a calling. What the trio first described as a, this is their quote, sort of West Coast German-style Roggen beer, turned into an imperial dark rye offering an elevated alcohol percentage and a crisp lager-like finish with, from the alt yeast fermentation. Give the devil his due. So that's a little wordy, but uh, I think uh, very descriptive. We'll see how this matches up with... Uh, what they have to say about it. So. Yeah, see if it, uh... So, salut. Salut. Hey, hey. Peter, I think you're first up today. Hmm. That's interesting. I don't know if I like it yet or not, but it's interesting. It's, it's caught my attention. I will give you that. Something definitely a little different. So I've had one taste, and the rye definitely kind of comes in on the way on the back end, which I like, because when it's up front, it's usually too much. Um, I'm liking this, and for something that's very different, yeah, it's still going, man. It's I've only had one drink, and it's still going. So um, I'm liking this. I don't know. I don't know. That this is definitely not one of those drink all day sort of beers. Uh, it's it's too big and too slightly funky. Uh, but uh, it's got the right balance. It, this is one of those beers that uh, is worth like drinking in a flight, as long as it's placed correctly in the flight. Uh, this could be a, a fun one. I'm liking this one <coughs> a lot, actually. Um, you're right. It's not something I you, you can uh, you know pound all day long, but uh, I, I I like it a lot. I think it's uh, it's got a really good flavor for me. Uh, you're right. The, the rye is on the back end, and uh, and it, and it kind of creeps up. And, and builds, um, but the, the initial taste and initial uh, aroma, I like. I like the uh, the weight of it. I mean, it's kind of it's not real real thin beer. Um, it's got a lot going for it in my world. Uh, it kind of is. It's not it's not as heavy as a stout, but it's you know kind of in that category for me. Yeah. Um, but uh, I got a lot of I got a lot of love for this beer, man. Yeah. Um, I wasn't wasn't super enchanted upon first smell. The initial aroma is kind of... A smell almost. Yeah, it had like almost a... Belgian, Chemical. Belgian-y banana. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. One of your, your faves. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but, I mean, this thing, it's a mouthful. Yeah. Uh, not just because the name is a whole bunch of words that we're not used to hearing together, but I mean, it's, a, it's a really confusing beer. But I I had the luxury of taking several sips before having to comment on it, and I 
I think that this, like you said, this is the kind of thing that you could just, you could, you can just make a go of it. Not all day, obviously, but uh, and I think definitely in a flight, this would be important to put it in a certain position because otherwise, this is just going to blow the doors yeah. off. Anything else. <laughs> yeah, because uh, it's just kind of overwhelming. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I I like what it does to my tongue much more than it does to my nose, still. But uh, you know, this is this is a very intriguing beverage. Yeah. There's something something dark going on here. <laughs> <laughs> well, and we we have, we've talked about like the you know, imperial IPAs and all that type of stuff are, are just made up categories. This is about as made up as we've seen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they get to define the category because, as we said, we've never seen that combination. So, um, gonna get a gold medal at the World Beer Cup, <laughs> the imperial dark rye category. <laughs> exactly. So. That that's also a, a definitely a factor. They, they, you gotta give them credit. I give credit for anybody that like is willing to go out, yeah. and not just do like weird ingredients, but uh, unusual styles. Yeah, uh, they're exploring the studio space. Yeah, yeah. I like so it. I totally, I gotta give them props for that for sure. Uh, this beer, we Soup was about to say, what are we gonna eat with this? No, 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 no. Oh, you weren't. I'm gonna no, ask you right. what, what your number. All is. right, my number. Um, well, this is just to make it back in what I just said. It's its own category. It doesn't have to be compared to anything. Uh, I think it's a well-made beer, and I definitely give them props, as they were saying, to going out and uh, on the way out on the branch there. I, yeah, I think it's a well-made beer. I'm going to go with a seven. Yeah, uh, I, I'm going I'm to give it an eight. Uh, not just because of you know Matt's simplicity, um, <laughs> just because I think it's ambitious. But I really, I'm going to need to drink more before I can give it a higher score. Um, but this is a, this is a six for me right now, so and I really had that number in mind before you guys said your scores. So it's sevens all over. Yes. <laughs> score Even this, I can do that. This now. beer gets a triple seven. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, Peter. What are we eating with this? Well, I mean, this is a huge, big flavor, especially like if you drink and then just sit for a moment, let it. You know, you're like, wow, it's still it going. Is, it's it almost needs to open up for uh-huh, a while, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. And so with that in mind, it's going to need to go with something really, really big. You know, this is, this is as we often say, because we do tend to drink these ones, this is the meat and potatoes type of beer. Um, think steaks. Um, venison. Venison, yeah. <laughs> that's something like that, something with a little gamey flavor, buffalo. But this a big is, gorgonzola burger. This might hold up that because of the gorgonzola, but if you, do a, if you do a burger with, like, just American, no, 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 this no, is going to no, no, wash no. it out. You, you, need, need, yeah, you, you need, need that extra, that yeah. oomph, and the, yeah. throw some fried shallots or something else as well. This is, this is a big thing, big, big, big uh, mushroom, uh, like, you know, uh, filet covered in a mushroom sauce or reduction sauce. This is that kind of beer, and even then it might... It might overwhelm some of those. <laughs> uh, that's how big it is. It's really, it's. I think it's the rye coming through at the end that really pushes it past. Don't even bother trying to serve this with any sort of, uh, you know, early stuff, shrimp and, and yeah. salads. You, you won't even. It's just not going to work. Uh, yeah, forget it. It's, it's got to be me. It will fall flat. Yes. Yeah. It's got to be me. It's got to be blood. Dude, dude. You need a rim shot, right? Exactly, it's got to be man. bloody and it's got to have uh, a whole bunch of flavor to go with. That's what this one is. And if you're doing flights, I can't imagine any beer that could follow this. No. And You'd have to go with something really... Barley, some of the barley wines yeah. that are really big. Yeah. And even then, they're going to taste off because of the rye, right, probably. Right. Uh, so you gotta, yeah, this has got to be the, 
the smoke. The Maybe there's, there's some smoky beers like out smoke there. Smoke porter or something smoke like that. Smoke porter. Yeah. I mean, that's it. Yeah. This is in a flight. This is number four. Yeah. Or eight or yeah. whatever you're doing in your flight. <laughs> you know, be ambitious. <laughs> go big or go home. That's right. right. <laughs> Just in reference to the region where this beer comes from. It's Willamette, damn it. <laughs> there you go. Got corrected by an Oregonian once. <laughs> it's like Good to know. Prescott, Prescott yeah. right? <laughs> well, see, it, uh, there's, a, there's a Willamette on the East Coast. So um, that's where I first encountered it. So, yeah, that's, that makes sense. <laughs> I don't even know how long that was the, a thing, but I, it, whoever made it up is awesome. <laughs> There you have it, another edition of Brewskies, sponsored by DrinksWineSpirits.com. That's Brewskies, sponsored by DrinksWineSpirits.com. Go there, join the Beer of the Month Club. They'll send you a big box of beer, 12 beers, four different breweries each month. And you also help out the show a little bit. T-Bone, hey. you, uh, you hit some breweries this, this past weekend, didn't you? I did, That's I right. did, yes. Uh, it was a nice little tour, actually. Um, we got a little later start on Saturday morning than originally planned, but we also took a couple shots before we left town. Everyone but the driver, of course. Of course. Which meant that by the time we got to, to about Oceanside, Carlsbad-ish, we were, on, we were getting on 78 from the 5, and our, our first stop was supposed to be in Kearney Mesa, oh. or Mira Mesa, you know, one of those beautiful places, and... Garden spot. Girls were asking in the back of the car, "Well, how long are we going? How long till we're there? I got to pee. I got to pee. pee." I'm like, "Well, if we get off up here on Nordall, we can stop in at Stone." So I, yeah, what a plan. I, I like snuck that. a Stone visit in without uh, being on the itinerary, and then we got down to San Diego-ish and checked into our motel. And from there, it was a very easy stumble down the street to White Labs. Which is actually, uh, you know, they are purveyors and creators of yeast mm. for brewers. So White Labs have isolated and modified and tinkered with different yeast strains, and they have. I mean, they provide the yeast for pretty much all of the the bigger craft brews, and I'm sure that you know anybody trying to get started probably will look there first. That's yeah. Once actually, they, once they get out of there first catalog that's the first place they're really gonna go yeah and they get serious i did that i remember start when i first started home brewing like when i very first started like you had your choice of a lager yeast in a packet little dry packet mm-hmm. you know or ale yeast and dry packet or wine yeast and those were your three choices mm-hmm. and as i was brewing over the few of the years that i brewed white labs came along with like just like six but it was a huge difference yeah. because first of all all their yeast was live. It mm-hmm. wasn't. It wasn't, yeah, it wasn't dried. Powdered, right. yeah. So that made a huge percentage of like successful inoculations. And then just having five kinds of ale yeast made. Now you've got one recipe with five variations, just with yes. five. And so it was. It was. And now I've seen. And that that's their deal, you know, because they, they've got they, they, hundreds. They yeah. brew only as case studies for their. For their yeast strains, right? You know? So they don't they don't sell their beer out on. You're not going to find White Labs beer in a grocery store, but they have a tasting room there at their facility. Nice. And they have they probably had 40 taps. Hmm. And um, wow. They where, had, where is this again? It's in, it's off of Kearney Mesa and Kearney Villa. Drivers. Oh, okay, yeah. Right, roughly right. know where that is. Yeah. Um, 
But they they do flights where you can choose a flight of four. Uh, and they have not, pre, not eight. They have pre-built ones <laughs> where it's all the same malt and hops, just with four different yeasts. Oh, drinks. how cool! And, and that was the, the some of the people I was there with were like, I don't understand. What is this? Yeah, like, yeah. Well, this is. Let me explain this to you. Yeah, you can take all the same ingredients and put a different kind of yeast in there. And One ingredient, it completely different. Is it, is it that much different? Oh, oh yeah, because they would like I did. I only did one flight there. Um, He's but, pacing himself. Yeah, I was because that was our first real stop, <laughs> <laughs> first official and stop. Then I, yeah, yeah our first official <laughs> stop. was an unofficial stop. Um, this is an official. Technically, stop. Legends was our first stop. Yes, but somebody had to go to the bank, so I was like, I'm going to go over here. Yeah, while you're there, um, I'll be here. <laughs> but uh, I had the the oh gosh, it was just like a regular ale. I mean, it was they had four the four different yeasts were. A, two different, two of them were like Belgian style ones. Yeah. One was called their monastery strain, and one was some other Belgique funny name. And then right. they had a, an American ale yeast and a Scottish, uh, a Scottish ale yeast. And right. that one, they were all um, porter style, right? But the the different yeast, I mean, every one of them tasted. Way different. The only one I actually liked of them was the one with the Scottish ale yeast. But uh, well, I found when I was brewing, mm-hmm. this goes way back. I would oftentimes that would be the only thing I would change was be mm-hmm. there. And there was one point where I uh, they had like a North London, and I don't know where they necessarily got these things from. You know, supposedly they all come from some official brewery or brew pub or whatever. But I did a, I did the exact same ingredients for a, and I all I did was change the yeast each time. One time it was a North London. The South London, and then something like Welsh something, and I so I did three beers exactly the same, just as you're talking about, and only changed the yeast, and they were all from English. They were all mm-hmm. English. That I mean, you guys went out of country, mm-hmm. and each time I got very, very different yeah. uh, beers. Uh, so it's amazing. People don't realize that. Yeah. That it just that one ingredient because it, it's yeast, right? But. Yeah. They're all all the strains are different. It's the one that they didn't even realize was an ingredient in beer when they first started. <laughs> right, it was magic. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, but yeah, oh, that, so magic. that was really cool. Um, I would have liked to have. I, they have like a whole little conference room, classroom area off on the side, um, but they weren't running any workshops or uh, tutorials when we were there last Saturday. Because I would have liked to hear some of their people talk a little bit more in depth, besides just the girl pulling taps behind the bar in the tasting room but um and that was fun man. It was, yeah it was a good time i and, bet i bet and from there we went i to, didn't realize they had a facility down there so that's something yeah, to look at yeah and now i so i guess they have there which they have a little tasting room there and they have like three more across the country now actual oh. actual facilities where they you know have their guys in the white coats and the goggles and all that stuff she's not originally like out Denver, of san diego I, I, don't know, I, I don't know if san diego or davis is where they started i think it's davis i think i think that probably is that would make more sense they have boulder and davis and then there's somewhere back east or somewhere in virginia maybe where they have one too um but yeah they they uh if That's you go cool. take a tour of any of the of the breweries like if you go to the Texas <coughs> stone tour at the stone brewery they you know they Pimp the shit out of White Labs because that's their their only provider for all their different. Oh yeah, yeah, and they have made big headway. 
Um, so we went to Green Flash after that. Oh. That one, it was weird to see the different vibes that, and different atmospheres at these places. Green Flash, theirs is like, it's in an, I mean, they're all in industrial parks. You know, right. But theirs, I mean, aside from Stone, Stone is a freaking palace. Stone is yeah, a freaking palace. It's a palace. That's, right, That's a perfect description. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You nailed it on the head right there. And man. the people I was with, none of them had been there. So I was like, okay, well, the bar inside is really crowded. Let's go to the outside bar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, and then there just happens to be some chairs under a tree There's where we can drink exactly. our beer. And it was like 80 degrees. Okay, did you Around a pond get, with koi yeah. fish. You got a decent place to park? Um, we parked in the valet line, uh-huh. and the valet was like, by the, how long are you going to be here? We're like, half an hour. He's like, I won't even have gotten to it by the time. <laughs> it was still sitting there. Like, right, wow. Sweet. Because there was no parking in there. I mean, it was, we were going to have to park across the street or at the hospital or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, which everybody does. Yeah. I slid into the, uh, uh, the growler, growler, growler fill parking. Growler fill. Yeah. Maybe nervous though, because you got to. It's like you know, you got to time that shit out. <laughs> but Green Flash was. I mean, they just have the tasting room set. It's just there's no tables or anything. It's just a bar, and they've got all of their Green Flash brews, and then they own Alpine Brewing, I guess now. Oh, okay. Um, and where are they located? They are. Gosh, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> uh, in an industrial park somewhere, four miles ish from from, from White Labs. White Labs. <laughs> <laughs> we did a lot of Uber. How'd you plan it? How'd you plan this? Uh, actually, we this was for two of our friends' birthdays. Our friends Azure and Jamie. Their birthdays were both uh, like the twenty eighth and the second, respectively. So, but how'd you plan? How'd you decide? Azure did all the planning. Oh, really? She had she had gone on and seen what was where and where we could find a cheap hotel close to as many of the breweries she wanted to go to as possible. Yeah. So it, was, it was pretty legit. What's her number? We need her for some trip planning. Trip planning. <laughs> She's got it all figured out. So, She's single? Yeah. And uh, uh, Green Flash, so. they had like, like the, theirs was just, there was the bar with all the signs of the different beers behind it and then like a little railing and then just brewery. I mean, it, it was very industrial on the inside there yeah. which was cool it was a little little different from some of the more polished ones right uh, but they had like a little outside patio area with some fake grass and a food truck so you could get some overpriced uh, appetizers there yep. Yep. then we went to Ballast Point uh, I, see, I, saw you they, check, I saw you check in there their actual brew restaurant at their brew facility is amazing I mean their brewery from the outside looks more like a brewery it's, it just looks like a big industrial Right. House building, but on the inside, it is swanky. It is pimp as hell. Right. Like, it was so cool, and I guess this part is new. They've only opened the restaurant in their actual brewery, like in the last six months, maybe. Cool. Uh, but they also have a tasting room in Little Italy, uh-huh. which okay. we went to on Sunday. Nice. Where? Uh, Where's it at in Little Italy? Uh, India Street. Okay, it's couple like yeah, 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 wedged right between the freeway and the airport. You know the the, the little rail line, rail line, and everything. Yeah, mm. uh, but that one, the the their actual restaurant and brewery was just. I mean, it was amazing. Yeah, it was the atmosphere was really cool. It was nice in a way that reminded me of the Stone Brewery, but that, I mean, different whole different approach. Nice. It was classy like that, but not not at all derivative. Okay. So that was cool. Their beers were good. But they, they're they really trying to hammer a bunch of this habanero in things. It's like, you know, chili powder, chili peppers in beer. Yeah. It doesn't really work for me. It, occasionally it can, but 
not really my style. And that was like their big thing. Yeah. Was they had a, a, a habanero sculpin. Yeah, that's so, the thing. I, taking uh, a good beer and doing something yeah, to it. When I, uh, really big, I went to pick up our supply for tasting tonight, uh, one of the guys at the place was like, well, you might want to try this. I'm like, what is that? It's like, it's got cinnamon and mm. this. I, I said, no, nah. I said, we, we, we made that mistake about a month ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And uh, not happening. <laughs> you just back off. Let me decide. <laughs> and, and then our last stop of the night. Well, not our last stop because we did just go to a regular bar at the end of it. But our last brewery was Alesmith, huh. which, you know, some of theirs I haven't been wild about, but... I just I walked in the place and I was, oh cool! I'm not in L.A. right now. Like it was had brown and orange Padre stuff. <laughs> their their uh, specialty beer that they're selling right now is called .394, and it's all in uh, old Padres colors and text and. Are everything. they down there? Are they in, are they in the gas lamp area? That or? one was in another just <laughs> industrial park. And, oh, okay. Lost in suburbia, um, but that that 394 beer, it was uh, an homage to Tony Gwynn's season where he batted 394, where he came as close to 400 as anybody's gotten since Ted Williams did it back mm-hmm. in the 40s, um, and they were selling, you know, they were selling that and proceeds, uh, t-shirts and glasses and stuff, and any proceeds from those were going to uh, the. Tony Gwynn Cancer Foundation or whatever is going on right now. So, I remember uh, years ago that there was a kid coming out of high school that they said was the purest hitter coming out of high school since Ted Williams. It would probably be the first person to bat 400 in the major since Ted Williams. You know who that was? Tony Gwynn. Carol Strawberry. Strawberry. <laughs> <laughs> he might have if he hadn't gotten <laughs> 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 Definitely got some, some distractions going Why on there. distracted, you know? <laughs> but I, had a, I had a great weekend. Uh, that's yeah, kind of nice. sounds like, like it, man. Like San Diego beer trip. That sounds like a fun trip, man. We, had, we, had, we went to d- too many places for me to carry anything home with me, though. Mm. So, yeah. I was going to try to get some bottles. Or a growler. Ballast Point only does gallon growlers. Oh, that's awesome. Is awesome, but they're like, <laughs> like trying to phase them out. Oh. So they are not pouring growlers of most of their beers. So it's like, oh. yeah. what? This sounded it sounded too complicated. I was this was Sunday. I was already hungover, and this guy's trying to explain it. And I'm like, that's know, my gripe with Beachwood. And sometimes I'll go in there, and I'm I'm ready. Beers, I'm ready to I, buy. We're not, we're not doing growlers. Oh no, no growlers. No growlers. I, like there was one time where I was like, I walked in there. They had. Three beers I wanted. I hate when I say that. You can't get that in a growler. You can't get that in a growler. That's and I said, uh, I said, all right. And I just literally turned around <laughs> and walked out with three empty <laughs> growlers. Man, I was pissed. I was pissed. You want to buy these back? <laughs> like, really? Yeah, man. Because I'm not going to buy beer I don't want to drink. Yeah. You know, exactly. especially because, and then the other thing is, there, are other, there were other beers I would drink, but, you know, I, I'm growler. I'm going to drink with my wife. And they were the only ones that, that I could buy, that I would drink, she didn't care for. Right. And so I was like, well, I'm not waiting. Because, you know, I don't want, I, I will drink all that, but, <laughs> you know, I mean, that's not the point, right? Yeah. It's a growler I'm drinking with, uh, with my wife. I, I, that's, I hate when p- places do that. I, I get it that, you know, you, you, have, you have limited capacity. Mm-hmm. But then that means you need, to, you need to cut down 
on what you're producing, yeah, like make the sure variety. Make sure you're or producing the things. That expand so that want. you can right. Yeah, let people come in and I can. I, I don't growlers, know. growlers should not be a way to get rid of beer that people aren't buying. In exactly. Their, in your exactly. So if you've got one that's in a high demand, make more of it. Make more of it, or <laughs> say, okay, this high demand one you can't do a growler, but the other one that's the second choice that people are definitely if they're not going to drink that one they're going to drink the next one. That's the one that's available. And if you run out, then you run out. You know. Anyhow, that's that's my that's my gripe. Sorry, I'm with you on that. <laughs> you preaching to the choir on that one. All right, but, let's give AD a call. All right, hey. Oh. Let's see, we get that. Well, we'd like to welcome to the show Anthony Davis, USC great, NFL great, five-time national champion, five-time All-American over USC. How you doing, man? Doing great. How are you? Doing great, man. It's always uh, always a pleasure to have a chance to chat with you and get your take on what's happening in the world of sports each week. And uh, we've got plenty to talk about as well. You guys all set, man? You guys got your... Uh... Uh-huh. All right, well, here we go. I just wanted to get the little doohickey underneath. All so right, I just don't pull the plug out, all right? <laughs> the doohickey is the... All right, AD, here. today was pro day over at USC, and uh, uh looks like Leonard Williams, uh, the defensive uh, lineman there, might go in the number one or number two in the draft. Uh, what are you thinking about that, man? Well, I mean, uh, I mean, I know he's going to be in the top five picks. I mean, here he's on like Jameis Winston and uh, going number one overall, but he can easily go number one. He's that kind of a talent. He's big, he's strong, he's quick for a big man. He has ex- ex- exceptional strength. So uh, I can see him going number one, but he's definitely going to be in the top two or three. Yeah. I can tell you that. Yeah. Yeah. SC will miss him. <laughs> <laughs> what are your thoughts on uh, on these pro days that they have at the schools? Uh, these guys go to the combines, and then uh, and then they you know they got uh, so many things that go, surround all these things, all this activity before the draft, and then they uh, then they have the pro days at the school. Uh, was this something? Uh, was this something that was going on in, in your era? No, Damn, they didn't do any of that. They just weighed us, timed us in the 40, and that was about it. Yeah. No 225-pound no reps, none of that utility. They just didn't do it then. I mean, they saw what they did was go by the tape and the film. That's what they did. You know, I mean, and that's how they evaluated us. So I think some of that still works today. And I believe now with these pro days and, and, and the combine and stuff, I mean, a lot of kids – see, remember, remember today. Today is – there's so much more talent now at different schools. That's why I think a lot of kids get look over because there's so much more talent now. And so you're gonna have a pro you might as well have pro days everywhere, but they just don't have the man and resource and and the time to just go to every school with pro days. Because you got kids on every level that can play. And it gets it gets lim- it, you know, it gets short lived with with some of the schools and some of the divisions, but it's like it's, there's a lot of diamonds in the roughs out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, uh I think some kids lose out just because of that. It's just so much. And that's the reason why I always advise people who come to me, you got to go to the school where you're going to be seen and where you're going to perform. And that's the way it is today. Let's uh, 
There's some other news in the, in the NFL this week. Uh, a couple guys uh, retired, I, I guess they say unexpectedly. Uh, the Steelers linebacker, uh, Jason. I can't pronounce Is it Worlds? Worlds? W-O-R-I-L-D-S. I, I know. I, I never. I don't know how to pronounce his name. But uh, he's 27 years old. He, he uh, made $9.5 million last year. He was a free agent. He was looking to make a boatload of money this year. And he just said, you know, he's moving on to other things. Jake Locker retired. Uh, he just says he doesn't have what it t- he doesn't have the uh, the desire to, that it takes to, to be a professional athlete right now, and, and I think he's 26. And uh, somebody else, I forgot who the third person was. What are your thoughts? Oh, another guy had Patrick, uh, had, had, had Patrick Willis. Patrick Willis, yeah. and he had he had a lot of foot injuries apparently. But uh, yeah, you, you know, everybody is usually shocked when guys uh, retire. You know, technically at the top of their game, uh, but you you know you played, you know what it's like. What, what are your thoughts on that? First of all, you know, I know a lot of people don't, a lot of people know. I was, my career was cut short because of injuries anyway, too. Uh, uh, you know, I hurt my back. I broke a fibula uh, and stuff like that. And I just lost desire. And my, my biggest thing was, you know, I, I realized that I should have played professional baseball when I started getting injured. That's really drove me out of the game. I should have been playing Major League Baseball instead of the National Football League. But a lot of these guys retiring early now. First of all, they made enough money. Locker made was the number one pick, so he made great money. And, you know, sometimes you get an organization where you are in football and the sport. You just, some people, some guys just lose his eye. The training camp, the hits. And I think, he, I think he's had two or three concussions on top of that. And uh, he's realizing that, you know, uh, that that can happen. And who knows? He could be thinking that he should have played baseball, too. Because, you know, he was drafted a top player in baseball. I mean, that's what drove me out. And then the, 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 the other two guys, the, the injuries are probably caught up with them. I mean, it just... Your body breaks down. Everybody's different. You know, my body started breaking down. My body started breaking down at 26. Yeah. So, uh, and I'm sure that's one of the cases with these guys. And also, the, the major difference is, is the money difference. I mean, you're talking about the guy made 9.6 last year. I mean, that's a lot of money. And then he's looking to get a lot. So, obviously, there's something going on, either the fact that he has another opportunity he wants to develop and work on, or the body's saying, hey, you know something? It's time to leave. Right. It could be five years, it could be 10 years, it could be 15. But as you know and I know, and if you talk about my book and stuff, kickoff concussion, is that uh, everybody's different. When you can start getting shots in the head and start getting getting trauma, traumatic injuries in that head, that, that can drive a guy out of the game too. Yeah. Oof. Well, you always talk about, uh, you know, guys uh, re- realizing that they, they represent the brand of the NFL – um, places, you, p- people you associate with, and, and where you hang out, and what you're doing, uh, kind of reflects on that thing. Uh, I don't know the whole story behind this, but we know Chris Johnson from the Jets uh, got got shot uh, the other day. Uh, his buddy's driving the car, got killed. Uh, the police say it was a targeted. Uh, you know, they, they don't know who they were targeting per- per- personally, but apparently, what I read, the shots were came fr- through the passenger side where uh, Chris Johnson was sitting. Um, you know, a lot of these guys, uh, you know, we keep hearing about each each year. Um, I'm not saying, that, you know, no matter where you are, you deserve you deserve to get shot. But a lot of the guys we hear about each year uh, find themselves in situations like this. Uh, you know, what do you think is uh, the cause of that? Well, first of all, that was his environment he left. And when you left an environment of that type, the environment you left is the same thing you went back to. So common sense will tell you that you don't go back to that, that environment. 
I mean, for him to be, for somebody in that car to be targeted, that should tell you something. So who, so what are your friends and what kind of lifestyle they're into? And I'm sure he knew that before he got in that car, that he might have been doing something. And if he didn't know, he should have known. Now, for him to get shot, and I heard, and all reports state that, that Chris, or is not cooperating with, not standing up and talking to the police. Well, guess what? You went to Sam talk to the NFL. Because if you don't talk to the NFL, you don't have a problem. And now the fact that the NFL has been beat up so much about off-the-field situations, integrity, character issues, uh, uh, domestic, uh, domestic violence, and everything else, you, you're going to talk to the commissioner. Or he might be suspending you. And if they dig into really what would happen and what you were doing off the field, and you know you, you should have known better, and you're an NFL veteran and you are matured, you're going to pay the price of that. So if you're not talking to the police, you're going to talk to the commissioner because they're real sensitive now. <laughs> they have, it's, it's like to the point they have zero tolerance. So I'm just saying to you, I don't know why these guys think they're going to need to go back to their homeboys and they fought to get out, but to go back into that, to get drawn back in that situation, something's wrong for him to get shot. That doesn't make any sense. But where's the fine line in this? I, mean, I, remember, I remember they were talking about this years ago with Allen Iverson. Uh, you know, he grew up in the projects. He had family still living in the projects. Off-season, he'd be down in the projects, and uh, the NBA didn't like it. Uh, but there's a fine line. If you're not uh, involved in criminal activity, and even though you might be hanging in a place which the uh, the NFL or the NBA is, uh, t- terms is uh, undesirable, um, but that's that's your family, and that's where you come from, and that's where you, you know you still have people down there, and still have friends down there, uh, you, you know, because if you, if you don't come around and you don't hang out and everybody says you, you sold out, uh, what's the fine line there, especially if, you, if you're uh, not involved in crime, uh, but it's a crime-ridden area? First of all, first of all, I don't think they get they sell out. But, you, know, you just got to use your common sense. Now, I don't know the kind of money these guys make today, if you're going to have a posse. I don't know if uh, Alan Iverson had a posse. <laughs> if he did, he had plenty of money. He said, look, hey, look here, guys, uh, we don't need to be hanging out here in the projects. Let me go buy your house. <laughs> well, let, let's go over here and hang or whatever. But the bottom line is you, you, anybody knows, anybody has any common sense, no, you're not going to go back to that. I mean, you might have people in the area, but you say, look, you know, so I can't be caught in that area, and, and I'm vulnerable. Because you know the wrong place, wrong time, anything can happen. And so you got to you, you know, your common sense radar has to come on. And if, you know, if I'm advising any of these guys, look, you can't do that. I didn't do it. I didn't go back to do it. I didn't go back to Coima, California, where I'm from. I didn't go back to that because I knew it was trouble waiting for, waiting for me to happen, waiting to happen for me. So I'm just telling you that all of these guys, they know they fought to get out. Why go back to the trap? You, 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 and, and you're going to be targeted anyway because, you know, you got resentment. you got jealousy. Oh, you got all this money. Let me see how bad you are now. No, you don't need to be around that. I mean, it, to the point where you had to go have somebody come pick your pick your people up, you do that. But for you to just hang and wallow in the area, you just you just going to ask for trouble. Period. You, you know, I mean, if they want to call you a sellout, let them call you a sellout. I'd rather be healthy, not dead in the cemetery, than being called a sellout. <laughs> you'd be a sellout, and you'd be somebody that'd be burying you, or you'll be putting your career online that you worked hard to get to. Yeah. It's always it's always interesting, you know, that you see these things and you see uh, you know you see these guys and 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 
And a lot of times, uh, you know, like I said, people still have family living in some of these areas, and, and you know, they don't want to hang out at Chuck E. Cheese or whatever, so they uh, they go down there. But, uh, you know, I, I, it definitely, it, it, it does put their career at risk, and uh, sometimes you want to make those decisions where uh, make the right decision. But a lot of these guys are still young, and uh, we know that young people make stupid decisions quite frequently. But, here, but, 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 here, but here's, here's the deal, Keith. You look at the National Football League. They've had so many wake-up calls. You know, the guy got arrested at LX, you know, with the guns and stuff, talking about what he wanted to do. You know, you get guys getting busted for the weed. You get guys busted for the domestic violence. You get guys, you know, uh, doing all mm-hmm. kind of crazy stuff. I mean, but that should be a wake-up call. Listen, I know you're young, and just, but still, I mean, where is it going to stop? And, and, unfortunate, and the unfortunate thing is that the bothers me more, they're African-Americans. Most of all the troubles with most is African-Americans. Hey, 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 guys, wake up. You know, come on, you get these great opportunities. You, you, we didn't have those opportunities 40 years ago, 35 years ago. Come on, man, these are great opportunities for you. You know, and, and, and it's still getting better. But I'm saying to you, there's been enough examples for you to keep your nose clean. That's just straight-out stupidity and no common sense. Because there's somebody waiting to replace you all the time. <laughs> True that. <laughs> see, so, so, so I'm just saying to you, and nowadays with the NFL, the NBA, and everybody else, Major League Baseball and everyone else, even hockey, there's a no tolerance going on now. You screw up, you're gone. You might, you, you, you will be replaced. You might not be the best. You might not be the better guy, but to, to, to protect the brand of all these leagues, they will eliminate you. From, from competition if you, if you don't do right. right. You want to go slap on your woman, you're going to be out of the league. You want to smoke a ton of dope, they're going to be out of the league. You want to do PEDs, you're going to be out of the league. Okay? You're going to abuse your kids, you're going to be out of the league. I'm telling you, that's what's going to happen, and that's where it's going. And, and believe me, you let these guys keep getting out of line, and what happened with Chris Johnson down there, and guess what? You're going to be out of the league. And I think, and I think down the road, future for in the future, they're going to start putting some definite heavy clauses in these guys' contract about, about their behavior off the field. Yeah. You take the trial with Hernandez. I mean, well. that's staying on the brand, too. <laughs> yeah. you know, no matter what, what, what you put in the clause there, I don't, I don't think they have to put it there, no murder. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, come on, that's extreme, extreme, but I mean, look, yeah. at, I mean, look at that. That's the reason why the commissioner, you know, it, 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 there's no nonsense now. I mean, if you look at somebody wrong, you're going to be out of the league now. That's what I believe. Talk, we, you and I had a, a, had a, a little discussion this week because uh, uh, we disagree on, on something here. But uh, let's talk about this free agency. Uh, no, we can straighten it out. I just, I just want to make my point. <laughs> no, I'm talking, you, 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 made, you made the vital point, but I want to straighten you out in terms of what, what – Stats versus <laughs> Well, let's talk about it. Uh, I said that uh, I think Jerry Jones blew it. Uh, you know, DeMarco Murray's a free agent now. Uh, you know, the guy was, a, the, the, you know, he's the reigning uh, rushing, rushing leader. He's, he's got some right. great stats. Uh, right. you, you, you say it's, not, it's, it's a good move. Well, first of all, when you, when you start comparing him to certain guys as far as overall building, no, he's a beast. He's what you, in my opinion, what you call a one-two back. He's a guy that's going to give you a spell. See, first of all, when I judge a running back, I see him that can run inside, outside, and catch the ball. Now, he's going to give you a 15, 20, uh, going to a good pop. But I have never seen him bust one for 50, 60 yards. So I want to see that after speed and after that burner speed. Now, he has great ability. Don't get me wrong. 
But I've seen McFadden go 60-70. And you know what Agent Pierce has done. And you know what Shady McCoy has done. So I'm saying he's one of the – he's a steady back behind a great line. And all I'm saying to you, put McFadden or Agent Pierce behind that line. And I'm telling you, they got over 2,000 yards rushing. Not to say he, you know, he's a workhorse, but I'm saying he's not Adrian Peterson or McFadden. But he's good. He's not those two guys. And sure, his stats were better because of the line he had. Well, that's that's, that's like that's like the the the, the argument people have uh, regarding uh, Sanders and, uh, and Emmitt Smith. You know, Emmitt Smith. Uh, you know, yeah, Emmitt Smith was not Barry Sanders. Yeah, absolutely not. <laughs> okay, so I'm just telling you. Emmett Smith had a line much better than, 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 than what makes Barry Sanders great. He made that offensive line great. The difference with Emmett Smith, the offensive line made him great. <laughs> <laughs> and, he, and he did not have he did not have Barry Sanders' breakaway and elusiveness. He didn't have that. Barry Smith, Barry Sanders had great speed. Emmett Smith didn't have his speed. Mm-hmm. The same thing I say about Demarco Murray. Don't get me wrong; they're good. They're good. They're great backs. But I'm saying there's certain guys who have that extra um. Right. Jerry had that. Adrian Peterson definitely has that. And McFadden has it. But you never seen it because he's been in a crappy situation with the Raiders. I mean, how are you gonna do? He's been what five offensive coordinators? What five or six coaches since he's been in the league? That's crazy. Well, so I'm just saying that's my point. I'm not saying he's he, he's he's a, he's a he's a slug. I'm just saying that, in my opinion, and I am a former running back. That he, I don't see the breakaway speed that the Adrian or McFadden would have, or or Shady McCoy. That's just my opinion. Yeah, and, and everybody's entitled. You, you, listen, even even UAD is entitled to a bad opinion. See, stats don't make. Stats don't make the players. We guess, for example, when I'm saying no, 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 no. Well, I know you can't say that because we we always talk about your stats against Notre Dame. I can tell you one stat. That <laughs> well, that's Notre Dame, but I'm saying you, I got to tell people: if you put Tony Dorsett in Tampa and put me in Dallas when do the years I was playing, he he he, he probably fared the same way, and I would do the same he would do in Dallas. See, that's the difference. You see, if you put McFadden in with the Cowboy behind that line or Agent Peter, don't tell them what kind of yards and numbers they put up. Well, See, and extra, I, I think that he benefited extra, from a great offensive those, line there this season. And, you know, Dallas has pieces in place to make a lot of guys successful at that running back spot right now. Um, I tell you what, well, that offensive guy, line, that offensive line they had, you put, you can put your mother back there mm-hmm. and she's making eighteen. I know. Yards. I've seen my mom run some bitches over, man. I'm you. <laughs> uh, <but laughs> I tell you the the stat that you can say defines Demarco Murray, and I hate to say it because. I agree with you on this one, A.D. I think the Cowboys are playing this the right way. If they're going to bring him back, it's going to be on their terms. You know, I think he had a good enough season that he can shop around and get a better deal somewhere else anyway. Right. Um, right. But I, I would let him go personally if I was Jerry Jones because, yes, he puts up he put up great yardage numbers, but that was on how many, how many touches, 400 and some carries? Right, uh, right. And how many times did he fumble the ball? And give right. it to the other team. That's the stat that I think is the most telling. And unfortunately, you when you touch the ball, you got to remember also. You got to remember also well, too. The way, wait, 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 broken, real, real quick. He's broken down. Mm-hmm. You know, he he's injury prone. I mean, he's an injury prone guy. I mean, you know, I mean, playing the position of running back, that that's tough. But I'm saying he and he's been injured. So I, and I'm telling you, they they're weighing that factor in it too. Okay, we give this guy this kind of money. Okay, is he how long is he going to stand on his own two three feet? 
I'm gonna See, I'm gonna tell you, you know, based on what T Bone just said, there's a Hall of Famer, who uh, who uh, we all know who put the ball on the ground a lot of times for a couple seasons, yeah. and, and he's 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 one of your one of your alumni, Marcus Marcus Allen. He, he they, there was a couple seasons there he was he was fumble fumble prone, and uh, you know I'm not saying his whole career was that way, but you know there there was a there was a season or two there. Cause I watched it. <laughs> Where... Well, you know you're right. You know you're, you know you're right about that too. But you know, I mean, you know, he didn't have the OJ speed. He didn't have uh, the Barry Sanders speed. But he was adequate enough. He was good. he was great. But he played a great behind a great you know Raider line. I mean, you got to say when he played, he, he he was blessed to have a great offensive line and great pieces around him. That's what you have to have in football now. You know, you got to have love. You got to have other pieces around you to make you successful too. And you can't have four or five coaches in four or five years. Well, yeah, I, you know the thing is with with any team sport, it, it is it is what's around you. We, I, I, you know, I, I grant you that, um, but I'm not going to knock a guy because he's got a great line. You know, you got a great. No, no, that, no I'm, I'm saying I'm just telling you. I'm just telling. I'm telling you what I was trying to say to you. I've analyzed. I've seen them all run in these current day ball players, and I'm telling you, Adrian Peterson is a straight out speed beast for power and everything. Okay, and you got, and then you have, then you have McFadden, and let me tell you, that boy up in Seattle is a monster too, who has great speed. Okay, not only he'll run over you, but he'll he'll he'll, he'll go fifty or sixty straight to the end zone. Now, now far far, far as far, in, in my opinion, the two best runners in the league is Adrian and, and uh, Marshall Lynch. That's my two two top backs. Well, Lynch, yeah, Lynch is Lynch is he's a beast. Okay, those two guys and everybody else. That's what I. That's what I mean. You know, I'm not, And those are good backs, but they're not no lynching. And they're not no Peterson. These guys are obsessed. I mean, it's like it's like horns growing out of their heads. My, it, it, yeah. My point is, is, is if I got, if I got the top rusher in the league, right. barring barring some uh, 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 outrageous salary demands, I don't let him go. Right. Well, put it this way: based on the situation, everything is timing, right place. I think that Demarco Morris should get paid. Even though, but but the thing is, I know some of the issues. And without being in the negotiating room, me being a former and playing in the league, I know it was probably running through their heads. Okay, we if we gave him give him all this money, is he really the best back in the league? Well, I'm sure no. But did he get the stats? Yes. So there's a lot of things they they're probably thinking about his health, his conditioning, and it was a more Demarco Moore. It was a more what's in front of him. Can we replace him with somebody else? And we do to put the same kind of numbers. Up or do it better. I'm sure I know that's what's going through their minds. I guarantee that's what's going through their minds. Well, yeah, and, and the thing is, 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 but, it, is but in terms of loyalty, I'm signing the market, but I don't think that's what it is there with them. There's no loyalty there now. And I think their main priority is seeing what, what uh, Des Bryant's going to do. And you saw what they did at the end. They only gave one year. They're trying to give one year, and that's it. Right. I don't, I, and you know, when it comes to salaries, though, uh, I can, I, I don't think the the highest. The, the the best player at a position uh, frequently gets is the highest paid player. I don't think Joe Flacco is the best quarterback in the league, but I think he's the highest paid quarterback in the league. Um, right. And and you know and Jones gave Jones gave uh, Romo a, a boatload of money, and I, you know I don't think Romo delivers. I mean he to me he's he's, he's the a rod of uh, football man. I mean the guy yeah, well, that doesn't well, doesn't 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 shine in the uh, in the playoffs. Well, this is what I. This is what my whole thing about Romo. I mean, it starts and ends with Romo, because 
if you look at other quarterbacks in the league who won Super Bowls, and you're, me- and you're measured by championships, okay? I don't care what, what level you want. And, and he's got the money, and they paid him the money based on him going to the Super Bowl. Well, they never been there with him there. Okay, and, and, and half the problem with the Dallas Cowboys, in my opinion, football opinion, it starts and ends with him. And play here and there it could be the reason why they're not in was not in the Super Bowl. And it's always been like that with with him on the field. Now you talk about him versus Brady, okay? What six times Super Bowl? And they won four. And then you go to Peyton Manning. What? How many times he's been there? He's been there two times. He's only won one. So I'm just saying, I mean, with the with, with the Romo situation, that money was paid him based on going to the Super Bowl. Well, time's running out. <laughs> I mean, you know they got a great line, but time's running out. And, and, and for you to be measured in, in pro football, college football, whatever it is, you're measured by championships, period. And Dallas has enough talent around them where they can win it. But 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 it's, it, then I'm gonna ask you a question, and, you, and maybe you can ask me right on. If you ever see a player that something's missing, you know. You, He's good, but there's a little thing missing that takes him over the top. That's what, that's what, that's what gets me about Romo. Mm-hmm. He's talented, but something missing. Yeah. It's like he, need a, he needs an extra octane of gas in it to make it happen. Whereas that Tom Brady has that extra, whatever. And, you know, he, and Brady's not as mobile as Romo. And everything, he, you know, he can't get out of his own way. But whatever, what he has from his shoulders to his head, that's what makes him masterful. He's got what he they has call mojo in West Texas. Mm-hmm. Right. He, he, has, he has that it factor. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. There's something, for some reason, even with Peyton Manning in my football team, there's something, a little bit of missing. But when you come down, you look at the greats of all, the great, oh, Bradshaw, four Super Bowls. Uh, Joe Montana, four Super Bowls. But you know, Bowls. you know, the interesting thing about the Super Bowl wins, the, the players with the most rings aren't quarterbacks. I mean, Charles Haley's got five. Uh, right. Dwight Clark has five. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, Pepper Johnson has five. Uh, you know, right. there's, there's, a, there's a list of players. Uh, those guys those guys, are right place, right time. That's, that's all that is. There's a lot of great players who have Super Bowl. And they were in the right place, right time, and they were consistent, and they were healthy. I'm talking about these quarterbacks who were there, who stayed there, who had good pieces, Steelers, Bradshaw, four. Then you had Stallback two. Then you had Montana, you had four. And then you're all the way down. So I'm just saying, and like, you know, football and sports, and it all, a lot of it's timing, a lot of it's luck, right place, right time. That's, that's how you're talking about these other players. But I'm talking about the consistency of the position. And the guys win multiple championships. And, 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 that, and that's what makes these guys stand out, in my opinion. Or somebody say, hey, you're smoking something. Well, I played the game on all levels, and I know basically what it, you take. These guys are, are, are field generals, and they make it happen. They got that something in them. And they've had a little bit of luck, but the bottom line is consistently they've won all the championships. And that ain't just – and that's just not – you know, they, they did it. You know, they did it. it was great coaching, too, but they did it. Now, when you go back to the Cowboys with Romo, and you talk about the money they paid Romo, like I said, there's something ain't right. It's between him, his coaches, his coordinators, because he's he's went through coordinators too. Yeah, 
And and you know, think about what what the general perception of Romo is nationally. You know, from people who follow the NFL, they see a guy who's talented as hell, but can't get it done in big games. A rod can't finish. That's it. And and That's you know it. what? His teammates <laughs> are his teammates are humans football. too. That's what he know? is, man. And his teammates can look at that same body of evidence and come to that same conclusion, no matter what, no matter how much coach speak and uh, cliches they say to the media about how you know we're behind our quarterback. No matter how much they try to buy in and drink the Kool Aid, they're people. They see with the writing on the wall, you know. And, and when you when you when you have that body of work in front of you, it's right. tough, I think, to get your team to buy in. You know, whereas if you're playing with Brady, you say this son of a bitch came in his second year in the league, wasn't even supposed to be on the, wasn't even supposed to be starting, and, right. until somebody got hurt, and the kid won the damn Here. Super Bowl and <clears throat> kept doing it. Like I can right. get behind this and believe in this guy. You know, yeah, so. you're, you're absolutely you're absolutely right on that. I agree with you. And, with the, and, and back to Romo. Now, with the guy like a Dez Bryant and Demarco Moore in their locker room, and he's getting paid all this money. You got to know that there's some dissension amongst that locker room. Wait a minute, you gave Romo this money, and he was projected to take us to the promised land. He hasn't done anything, but yet and still, you got Dez Bryant. And you got Demarco Marysson. Well, wait a minute. We got a one-two punch here. We have enough time to get to the, the big to the big dance, and you're not going to pay us. You see, then also that set of, that, that that says the president's in the locker room. Hey, wait a minute. Des Bryant's a beast, and Demarco Murray's a beast. You need to pay them too. Whatever it takes, you need to pay them. So I can tell you, there's a lot of that going on down there, because like you said about Brady, second he's in the Super Bowl. Well, how long how long uh, uh Romo's been in the league? What, ten years? But thirteen years. How long he's been in the league? Enough. I'm not sure how long he's been in the league, but I, th- I you know what I with Romo, I think, you know, if you talk about the psyche of of, of a guy, I think that that championship game in uh, Seattle where he muffed the uh the hold on the field goal. Yeah. Right. I, I think that I think that is is just haunted him ever since then. I think Crucial situations, crucial situations. Since then, he's he really. I think he kind of it's ingrained in him since then. But check this out, and you know people. You know, you know how people talk on and off the field and stuff like that, blah blah back and forth. Even though he muffed that 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 that, that field goal thing, but you remember earlier in that week what what him and Witten did? They went down to Mexico hanging out. <laughs> remember, remember when the Jessica Simpson went down there with her and said so when he was seeing her, he was down there in Mexico and people, people, people even criticized about him. A lot of people thought that he was off about his be going down there for vacation. What are you doing going out of the country? Hey, you know, as a Raider fan, I have to give him. At least he showed back up. I mean, because they're. Uh, <laughs> but I'm, but, but I'm, those guys but didn't I'm show saying, back up. That, that, that was center. a lot of talk going on when he did that. When he went up to play Seattle. Yeah. The I, thing I, is, there was a lot of talk. I mean, what are you doing with a big game? You're early in your career, going out of the country, hanging out in Mexico when you when you when you when you have to be playing up here in Seattle. Now, I heard a lot of talk even before they had really nothing to do because he played a good game up in that little thing. And that's he muffed it. And I agree with you. After that, for some reason, he ain't been the same. Yeah, if you got a game in Seattle, you got to leave the country. I think Canada would be your best bet. I mean, you know, I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's all I think. Hey, right? I'm not going to watch. Let alone <laughs> going. Not, <laughs> not as much fun. Really. No, but it's still, it's closer. You know, regardless of what the Cowboys do at the running back spot, right? I don't think they're going to get any of their money back off of the Romo deal and no. any of the other stuff that they've put together, unless they hire the right friggin' sports psychologist. 
Because I tell you, there's some bad juju in that locker room and in the heads of those ball players, starting yeah. under center. But you know what's and, really and it's funny know, that you say that because they need somebody who can teach them the whole visualization thing in it, a different it, way. Because it, you can see it in Romo's eyes. I mean, the picks he's thrown in clutch situations where you can see it before the snap is even taken. It's like, oh crap, here it comes. <laughs> but you look. You can go back and look. It's funny that you mention that because you can go back and look at the years. Uh, uh, when uh, Mike Irvin was there, and and, right. and and all those guys there, well, he was self-medicating. Th- those guys, <laughs> off the field, those guys Often. were a freaking disaster. But they well, showed up on was, they showed up like on Sunday. Had, they showed up on Sunday, and they played some freaking ball, man. Right, they did. <laughs> Irvin had the issue. Irvin had the issues, as you know. He, you know, he had he had the issues, as but you he, know. He wasn't the only but one. There was a, but when he, when he got on the field on Sunday. He played like a bat out of hell. And I'm telling you, with Troy Aikman lead, leading the charge, Emmitt Smith and those two, let me tell you something, those guys played. Well, Jimmy Johnson had them guys focused. And they played. And the playmaker really had them going. And, and, and really, based on what he did, pound for pound, he was worse than Dez Bryant. <laughs> 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 but, 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 he, but let me tell you something. Those guys had the it factor with the starting with the coach. That's what I'm trying to say to you. You see, so who knows if 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 if, uh, if Troy Aikman would have had another coach, he might not have been Troy Aikman. And who knows if, if Belichick was with Brady, he might it might not be be what they are. That combination and that it factor is what makes it happen. Yeah. And a system and a philosophy. And I'm telling you, Jimmy Johnson had it. Belichick's had it. You know, all these great coaches have had it. Shula's had it. You know, so. I'm just saying these guys and these coaches and these players in the Dallas situation, like you were talking about Romo, y'all know if you need psychological help or not. They either, <laughs> need, they either, either need a new team psychologist or a new team chaplain. Hey, Which way you want to go, I'm right? Not, yeah, they're on the wrong couch or they're praying to the wrong guy. Something, something's off. Maybe, maybe an exorcism. <laughs> Amen, amen, uh, amen. You, you, you get deep on that. <laughs> I didn't say but, which but, one was but, the right one. But, 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 but let me say this to you. In, in, in Romo's and everybody's defense, I blame upper management because if he, if he had consistent people with him, you know, in, in his coaches and his assistant coaches and his coordinators, I think he'd have fared even better. But unfortunately, that's not happened for him. And I can tell you that the Belichick Brady thing, people like I've always told you, they should take note of how they run their situation. Every organization is different. Who knows? I'm just saying there's something missing in an organization. They got everything going, the great stadium, the great venue, they got everything. They even have a great owner, but the problem is is that something's missing. And they should be back there. In they should be at the, they should be at the doorstop door. Based on what they bring in there and their talent, they should be at the doorstep of the Super Bowl every year. Based on what they have on paper. Yeah. Last thing, Ad, and before we wrap this up, uh, you know, when you were at SC, man, were you a Greek? Were you a frat guy? Tell you something, man. Brothers were in front fraternities when I was there. <laughs> Come on. No, but, Come on. There's no. Omega Psi Five. There's Kappas. Don't, don't tell me that, man. Come on. Man, they, they didn't have it up there at SC. They didn't have black, <laughs> they didn't have a black fraternity two years after I left there. Really? They didn't have any fraternities there. And I don't and I don't know any, any minority was part of a fraternity at SC in those years when I was there forty years ago. 
Well, there's well, a fraternity. I don't know. And there's if, a fraternity. Was, I want to know who was in one. Somebody was trying to tell me that one of the great linebackers out of SC named Jimmy Jump, Jimmy Jimmy Gunn was in it, but I haven't heard anybody verify that. But I mean, I know you're referring to what happened at Oklahoma and stuff, but uh, but you got to remember, 40 years ago, man, we're still talking Jim Crow, the tail end of it, but it was bad. I mean, in the culture of this stuff that went on, especially what happened with the video that surfaced on YouTube, I'm telling you that back in those years, it was still, we're still living in Jim Crow. And, you know, you talk about what happened in Oklahoma this weekend, and they cost them their top, their top, their top uh, uh, recruit, from what I understand, and that might be a snowball effect. The thing that I'm hearing and what I've talked about today is that the president of the, of the University of Oklahoma did the right thing, basically, but the bottom line is you had to know that this 19-year-old this kid just didn't make this up, and it's been going on for a long time. And he had to know there was a culture of that at the university. This didn't happen overnight, and this wasn't no fluke. This had been going on for, 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 for forever. I mean, these guys had a, a, a documented song on lynching. <laughs> I, mean, I, don't, they, I don't know what's going on down there. I mean, we had all kinds of screwed up songs in my fraternity, but they were all about misogyny, not racism. Well, you know, I, I, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I I I I I, I know people who go to go to OU. I know people who went to OU. Right. Uh, that the university does not have that cloud over it. Uh, and even in, in this fraternity, uh, from what I understand, even that fraternity Can didn't. I say it? You didn't have that cloud over it. Uh, yeah, are there are there are there a couple a couple idiots in that fraternity? Yes, absolutely. Are there a couple are there racist people everywhere we go? Absolutely. Right. Uh, I I don't think there's a, a there's a culture of racism in OU because uh, I have too many family members who graduated from there, and right. have a lot of respect for the university and and and, and have nothing but positive things to say about it. But uh, yeah, and the thing is, is furthermore, obviously, uh, you, you know, you're talking about a, a bus with probably holds 50 people maybe on it, or whatever, 50, 60 people on it. Obviously, somebody got a, took the video, and either somebody that's on that bus posted it on the on the web, or somebody who that person sent it to says this is not right and posted it on the web. Uh, the, the the president did the right thing. The uh, the, the national chapter, whatever you call it, they did the right thing. Uh, you know, you, you're, there's going to be fools everywhere. And, and this guy, uh, 19 years old, Keith. there's two Keith. the two the two guys that were leading the charge have been expelled. I think everything's been done right so far. What you have to understand, Keith, is this: that was a blatant thing. That's the kind of stuff you heard 40 years ago or 35 years ago. I'm telling you, the perception, <laughs> yeah, the perception, perception is very strong. The perception is there's been a culture of that everywhere, some more prevalent in other, in other schools than others. So I'm just saying to you, if those two were doing that, that means the other ones who feel and think that. That's all I'm saying to you. It, it, it's more institutional. Like I always say, there's still institutional racism and there's still institutional sexism. And so you still have a culture of that everywhere. It's not all done yet, and sure, I, I, I think OU is getting labeled, but the bottom of the perception is strong. You can say whatever you want, you can have everybody stand up for them, but the bottom line is this, people are going to tell you, and you know how conspiratorial people get and stuff, they say, well, I don't know about all that, and, and everybody's defending the fraternity. 
And uh, there's a culture of that at, at OU. I'm, I'm, that's how a lot of people think, because I've heard that all the day, that it's got to be a culture that not only at OU, but everywhere else. So that's, see, that's the problem that we have in this country still. That's an ugly thing that's gone on in our country for, for centuries. And for that to pop up like that in 2015, that's unbelievable. That's like, that's like, 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 I, like I always say sometimes, new car, same car, new paint job. And that, that ugly head pops up sometimes. And I can tell you, around the country, people perceive that there's, there's, there's been a culture there that pops its head up every once in a while. And that goes for every university in the country. Some more prevalent than others. And I'm just letting you know, I and mean, you might disagree with me, but in, in my 62 years on this earth, and, and, and especially from my 20s on up, I've seen a lot of that stuff, both blatant, behind the scenes, and institutionally. Oh, I'm not saying it doesn't go on. I, I, my point is, 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 is uh, you know, you're right. People have that perception. My, my, my point is, is perception is not always correct. Um, I also, my point is, is that you know, having traveled to uh, various countries uh, throughout the world, right. uh, you know, yeah, we have a history of it, but uh, there's a whole lot of places that uh, racism is a whole lot worse. Uh, See, man, I live, I live with the black and white sign. See, I saw that. See, I was discriminated against, both as an athlete and as a player off the field, and just as a general person. So I've seen all of that. So therefore, when I see inklings of that. It just brings back those days when I was a young boy and kid growing up. So I can definitely tell you when it when it when it's definite racism, or some borderline stuff, or some sugar coated stuff. See, I sense I can sense all that. And if you've been through it, and you know it, and if something happens, and then you know you take like these kids that was on the video right away to me and says, wait a minute, that came from somewhere. That came somewhere else. He heard that and seen that somewhere else. There's a there's somewhat of a culture somewhere in order for them to do it. Because I can tell you, that rocked those black students at that school, and it blocked those black athletes there also too. Okay, okay, you could be a great ball player, but you can't socialize with us. That's basically what that stuff said. You know, you can do you you can be the great football player for Oklahoma, and, you know, and, and follow the tradition of the great players of Joe Washington and all the rest of them that went there. But guess what? You're still black, and you, and you can only go certain far, certain, so so far within our university. Oh, and you can't be in our fraternities. If you are, you better be exceptional. See, that was the perception put out there. That's what everyone is is, is saying, and so like, and the, you're you're right. The president did the right thing. The people, the chapters around the country did the right thing. But perception is strong. Oh, I, not, I don't, I don't, I don't doubt that. I'm just saying that my my point is is if 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 you live your life. Believing that two people that were being assholes is going to stop me from getting my education in that school because you you think these two people represent the entire university, a university of what forty fifty thousand people. Uh, I don't buy into that. I just don't buy into it. Is is there is there racism somewhere? Yes. Is there racism there? Absolutely. But right. do, do these two or three or people? But let's say fifty. Let's say everybody in that fraternity believes the same way. Right. Even if everybody in that fraternity believes the same way, they are less than one percent of the students on campus, and I don't and, and uh, I don't pass up a chance to get an education in the school based on those people because they're not going to turn me away. They're not going to keep me from being successful, and I don't believe that they represent the university or represent the majority of the people on campus there. No, no, they don't represent the university. But I'm just telling you, 
and you and you know I'm just telling you, I'm just trying I'm trying to get in other people's minds and you know how people think because I've heard certain certain different things over the last 24 hours is that deception is a monster. So I'm just saying, well, wait a minute. So if they're doing that, there's other things going on. That's all. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I don't think the, the mass majority of people think that way, but it's enough. It's enough cancer there that can can snowball. That's all I'm trying. That's all I'm saying, T. That's all. But do I believe the whole school's like that? No way. I mean, it's like me telling this SC that no SC's nowhere like that. But I mean, th- there's bigotry everywhere in this country. There's bigotry all over this world. We we have not cleaned the word of bigotry yet. And all I'm saying, when all, when that ugly wolf pops up, it sort of kicks us back a little bit, rather how small or how big it is. Well, that's and every, my, everything that those guys felt in their hearts, regardless of where they learned the words to their song, right? everything that they felt in their hearts, they had long before they got to the University of Oklahoma. Absolutely. Uh, and, and unfortunately, racism is a, is a heart problem, not an institutional. I mean, it, it comes from people. Even if it even if it exhibits itself in institutions or systems, it comes from the people that make those things up. And uh, you know, the, those people, those kids, came from families that you know have that same problem, and it's a fucked up thing. Uh, but it's not representative of a majority of that school, this that state, this country at this point in society. It's still a problem. Don't get me wrong, man. I mean, but it's a human problem. It's not an Oklahoma problem or an no. SAE problem. Or anything like that. Absolutely. That's AD, all I'm saying. AD, as always, it's, it's a pleasure to chat with you and, and, and have these discussions and, and, and uh, you know, sort out the world's problems, man. We're going to make it a better world. You know what I'm saying? You know something? <laughs> I was running my mouth tonight, wasn't I? <laughs> <laughs> always good times, man. And okay. uh, we, we, we will be chatting with you again next week, brother. All right. Take care. Thanks Thanks next time, AD. Anthony Davis. Who will hear our story? Who will see this hell? Who will bring us justice? Tell me who will. At a railroad station in Baton Rouge, there's a train to Crescent City. Bourbon Street keeps calling him back to a Cajun girl so pretty. Old men sit outside the bars, tell stories they can't forget. Songs fly up to the evening stars on distant clouds. Now he sees the sorrow and the anger of the crowd. She said, rise up.
Jacqueline. Yes, Mom? I wanted to talk to you about something, and... Oh, wait. Hold on. I just got a text. Oh, wait, Mom. I just got a message. So many comments on my comment. Hey, guys, check out my wait. new video game. Mom, what? Huh? Pew, pew. What'd you say? This huh? weekend, unplug. Getting closer to nature can get you closer to your family. To find the forest nearest you, go to discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. And now we have an eight-year-old on the line. Welcome to Our World Today. What's your question? Our continents make up 29% of the Earth's surface, meaning that 71% is comprised of water. Man automatically adapts to environmental conditions. So why do I need to take swimming lessons? Are you ready for kids who eat healthy? Good nutrition can lead to great things. To find out how a healthy lifestyle can help your child succeed, go to MyPyramid.gov. Brought to you by the Ad Council and USDA. The views and opinions expressed by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Talk Story Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors. I'm Shelby. And I'm Jesse. And we're, we're After, After Arrows. Arrows. And, and you're, you're listening, listening to, to Swoop's World. World. Yesterday. Oh, yeah. Just keep it anyway. Yep. Welcome back to Swoops World of the Talk Story Radio Network. <laughs> Peter! Audible.com. Well, uh, for those of you who have not heard the show before, we're going to give you the spiel on Audible.com. I mean, this is a great, great thing. Swoops read like every single sniper book out there. Um, I wish I could say that. There's a whole lot more. He's working on it. He's working on <laughs> it. Working my way through it. And then last week, was it wasn't last week? Last, last week, week we had, had a, Andrew Peterson on yeah, it. Who, who has a book on there. He's um, got several books on there. I mean, there's 250. The yeah, there's 250,000 titles. So audibletrial.com forward slash swoopsworld uh, will take you there. You'll get your first book for free. Um, you know, this is a great way to... When you're doing like I, I, I hate one of the things I hate more than anything else in the world is folding laundry. <laughs> and that's why you I know, just throw it a big pile. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> in my I do that sometimes. But if you're gonna fold laundry, you know, like that's still, one of those. All mine's still in the basket. Nah, <laughs> it's like my son right there. Uh, you know, if you're gonna fold laundry, you gotta fold. It's gotta be done. Uh, you know, that's that's the kind of moment where you where you could listen to a book, and it makes it a whole lot more palatable. Long bike rides, yes. uh, long travel, airplane travel, car travel. There's there's lots of opportunities uh, to listen to a book. There's two. What's that? Excellent point. I listened to several books when I drove back to see my folks. Yeah, there's 250,000 titles. Really, really talented readers, and sometimes they do a whole like enactment, uh, depending on what sort of uh, book you're talking about. So, uh, great, great opportunities um, to listen to a book. So if you go to the Swoops World. No, if you go, don't do that. If you go to audibletrial.com forward slash swoopsworld, I did twice. Uh, You could uh, sign up 
And your first book will be free. And so make sure you pick a really long book because they're all the same credit. Yeah. Um, that's the great thing about it. You know, if you want to maximize your credits, uh, pick the 30-hour book yeah, don't get a as opposed book to the four hours. Right. Don't, don't get The Hobbit. Don't, don't get The Hobbit because that's uh, – unless you got little kids that you want to play for in the car because I did that once when I had little kids in the car and they were antsy and we played The Hobbit and it had like all these cute little voices for the dwarves. They loved it. They War loved peace, it. Man. War and Peace. War and Peace. Uh, there's, there's some good I'm ones. I'm driving though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, check it out. If you go that route, uh, uh, Soup's World will earn a few pennies. So check it out. DraftKings, man. All right. Swoopsworld.com slash DraftKings is the place to go if you like fantasy sports on the down low. <laughs> you don't have to call her back the next day. You just pick a new team next week. Uh, DraftKings is fantasy sports one week at a time, and if you are a fantasy basketball or a fantasy baseball fan, this is where you need to go because God knows you can get yourself into a world of crap during you know your what draft. I heard? You know what I heard the other day? What did you hear? I actually heard about fantasy UFC on DraftKings. Hmm. How, how does that does even like work? The, <laughs> yeah, I, they, I don't know. They have these big bouts. You know, he's like, you know, whatever. I heard Joe Rogan talking about it. Joe Rogan. He announces those things. Yeah. And he says you can go ahead and pick your fantasy UFC. Huh? There's a new. There's a whole new slant yeah. that I'm gonna have to check out, and you should too. Go to swoopsworld.com/draftkings and check out fantasy UFC and more, or if you're already on swoopsworld.com, just click on that DraftKings banner on the right side of the page. You get a free entry into a big money giveaway, and you're already going to blow your money on sports somehow anyway. Just do it here. It's more fun. There you go. For all your fitness needs, go see our good friend Jack Nunn over at RowWorks, R-O-W-O-R-X Fitness here in Long Beach. Indoor rowing, boot camp, personal training, and much, much more. Located at 5750 Boathouse Lane, and you can reach them on the website at www.rowworks.com or give them a call at 562-688-1716. Let them know the Swoops World sent you, and your first week is free. Woo! Bada-bing, bada-boom. Uh, you know what? Uh, real quick, uh, I want to mention this. Uh, a good friend of mine, uh, you know, I, I, I got the – it's kind of hard to put the link in the thing. Are you on the, uh, on the thing? Is somebody there? I'm going to give you the – Something there. Uh, no, but, okay, well, well, I'll just put it out anyway. A um, uh, good friend of mine's sister has had some uh, medical issues uh, uh-huh. recently, and uh, she's been a hard-working woman all her life and stuff like that, and she has to cover the about $10,000 worth of, um, what do you call that? Uh, medical bills. Yeah, but it's... Uh, it's Hospice? No, the <laughs> rehab type stuff. Yeah, the rehab type stuff. What do you call that? Therapy, uh, physical therapy. Type physical stuff? therapy all right. and all that kind of stuff like that. And so they have a, a GoFundMe page for her, and her name is Nora. And I've tweeted it out a couple. Oh, what the fagawi! Um, I've tweeted it out a couple times, and I'm going to retweet it real quick here. And if you do, if you're so inclined, please uh, at least check out the page. Uh, you know, on the tweet, it's, it's, uh, it'll say something like, help out a friend, Nora. I think that's what I tweeted. If you're so inclined, at least check out the page, see what it's all about, and, uh, you know, share it with somebody if you, if, you, if you can't or, you know, whatever, and help her out. I think they've raised about 7000 plus, and they need to get to 10000 So, 
yeah, give it a, give it a look. I'm going to retweet it. I'm going to tweet it out right now again. And uh, yeah, it's a good friend, and she needs a lot of help right now. So let's help her out. T-Bone, would you want to chat? But you had something you wanted to talk about. Well, you know, um, we talked a little bit with AD about this whole shebang going on down in Oklahoma, over in Oklahoma, Mm because it's technically not really down from where we are. Um, But yeah, I saw a headline on a news website alluding to this story. And the first thing I thought, because, you know, guys and gals, if you're listening, I was in a fraternity in college, and I had a great time. Uh, And we were not the model of diversity, (laughs) you know, but we were not lily white either. You know, we were not, you know, this white Anglo-Saxon Protestant exclusive thing where the Negroes and the Jews had to seek entertainment (laughs) elsewhere. Uh, It just happened to be the kind of thing that didn't attract as many of those folks. But if anybody came around and they actually wanted to hang out with us, we pretty much were down, regardless of what they looked like. Especially if they brought beer, right? Yeah, beer. (laughs) Pay your relatively inexpensive dues every semester. Like, really, I mean, fraternities at Long Beach State are cheap compared to what people pay at other other schools. Um, But I saw this headline, fraternity racist video causing problem at university, and I was just like, Man, why is it never a headline when these guys do all the good things that they do? Because fraternities do a lot of really good things on their campuses across the country. And this isn't going to be my soapbox used to uh, advertise for the Greek system because there are plenty of problems there, believe me. <laughs> um, but I was just like, man, the, the, the charity fundraising events and you know the... Campus cleanups and things like that never never make the front page of anything. You know, they're nothing that's a huge big deal, but there's a lot of good things that these guys do. And and for the most part, it's a bunch of guys who are going to school and doing well in school and want to have fun in the process. There's plenty of people like me who really didn't give a crap about the school part, but um, I didn't read the article right away because I was like, this is just going to be another hatchet job on you know how fraternities are evil and old-fashioned or whatever. And then I finally read it, like, the next day, and I breathed a sigh of relief because it was SAE. <laughs> it wasn't us. <laughs> and uh, I, I was in, if you didn't listen back in the Sea Live days and you don't already know this, uh, I was in the Delta Chi fraternity at Long Beach State, and, you know, we've had our ups and downs throughout the years, but um, nothing... Nothing that we ever did made uh, made me feel like we were in the same ballpark of scum <laughs> as this uh, this particular fraternity. Sigma Alpha Epsilon, or anglicized SAE, um, is known nationally, because they're at pretty much every college that has a Greek system, they're known nationally by every other fraternity and most sororities on campus as same assholes everywhere. Uh, this is this is a thing that actually people I've talked to people at, who were not in fraternities at schools a hundred a thousand miles away doesn't matter and they're like what's with those SAE guys I mean <laughs> literally it, I was just talking with my fiance about this yesterday like oh did you hear the thing about this you know, the fraternity down in Oklahoma and she's like yeah it had to be SAE didn't it and I'm like but yeah. see that's the thing that's, <laughs> that's, yeah that's it you want I was in college. SAA was kind of this, like this unusual fraternity. I mean, all, I mean, because I, I listen, 
me and my buddies, you know, we were the Rainbow Coalition, and we never, none of us ever pledged, but we went to rush. We rushed every year, right? That was back when they had alcohol in rush, I'm assuming. Yes, indeed. Yeah. <laughs> Why else would we do it? <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's like, we, I mean, we went to white frats, black frats, you know, kick out, Kappa Sig comes to mind. And Delta, you guys are Delta Chi. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we probably went and rolled there. Whoever was on that little triangle thing there off of 7th Street, uh, which is not there anymore. It's not a frat house anymore. Uh, right there, just... Uh, up from Wilson High School, where it's kind of a weird-looking building. That was that was one of the houses there. Okay, yeah. that's right. Uh, that's like next to that green that's like space. hundred. Yeah, that's like a hundred yards from my fraternity house. Oh, really? Towards Tenth Street. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it was. Uh, we went to all those places, and we, we always had a good time. But mm-hmm. it, and we always thought the people at SAE were just a little a little different. Um, I, we didn't. We didn't. We didn't smell it, racism. We just thought they were different. No, and, you know, <laughs> and we, I was talking about this with Ashley last night too. Like fraternities across the, you got these national fraternities, right? Like there's Delta Chi at 150 or 200 colleges across the United States and Canada now too. You know, they're trying to be North American, not just national. Yeah, look at that. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> um, but but you you, I went to the the big. National convention when I was in school. I went one year. We went to Cleveland, beautiful place, right? Uh, for the it national rocks, convention. Uh, and I literally hung out with guys from my fraternity from across the country for four days in a place where there was nothing else to do but hang out together and drink and talk about God knows what. And there were people that I had absolutely nothing in common with. And I was like, I would never choose to hang out with this person. If I had, you know, if I were in the For same any, city as them, yeah. Um, but there, you know, there was no like overarching identity right. that transferred from campus to campus to campus about Delta Chi, and that's the sense I get about most other fraternities too, with the very, very strange exception of Sigma Alpha Epsilon. And I mean, it's almost universally prescribed across the continent that like, people who have had they've been to one party their freshman year. And they're like, oh yeah, same assholes everywhere. I mean, <laughs> like they, I don't know if they still do this at Long Beach State, but when I was there, their their party at the beginning of the year every year was called Cherry Bust. <laughs> really? Like that's, and this was what I was kind of joking with AD about earlier. I was like, you know, we we didn't sing racist songs. We told racist jokes to our friends. You know, like if I had if my if my friend Matt in the fraternity was Mexican, I would call him some you know semi derogatory Mexican name. But it was a joke to a friend, you know. That's how, and I, grew, our Jewish, that's how I grew up. Our man. Jewish bros, we made all kinds of Jew jokes about him. And one time, one of the guys took it too far, and he was like, "That's too far. We're not going to do it." And it was like, "Yep, okay." There's the there line. We go. There's the line. Now right we know. <laughs> and you know, he sent it right back our way too. You know, like. Oh, they killed, you know, it was just, it was a lot of fun, you know, and it's just, I think people take a lot of things too seriously. This, I didn't, I don't agree with what these guys are doing, you know, but, and I, I, I'm not excusing what they were doing, but I, their part with the whole, you know, singing a racist song deal, like that, like I said, that's something that, those feelings were in them long before they got long to before they um, got, long before they graduated from high school. But it was still <laughs> very satisfying for me to see that it was at least a fraternity that I 
dislike. <laughs> so you're, you're like you were praying when you when you're. Well, you know. You, no, no, I'm serious. I mean, you you can't kind of. Yeah, before I clicked uh, on it, I was. I'm like, the same way when I hear crime crime uh, yeah. like before they put out the suspect, like, suspect description. Yeah, I was like, please just don't be, because you know, I, when I was when I was still in school, we get you know the fraternity sends out a, a magazine every three months to all of its members. For, you know, to whatever the last known address they have for everybody is, and my senior year, seniorish year, uh, the president of one of the chapters went out on his twenty-first birthday with his friends and drank twenty-one shots and died of alcohol poisoning. Oof. And that was one of those things where it's like, shit, that sucks to happen to anybody. But that front page news has our fraternity plastered all over it. And that was just like the kind of thing that. You hate to see some young kid die, and then you hate to see a whole bunch of other kids have their reputations painted in that light. You know, like, oh, you're a bunch of raging alcoholics, which, granted, a lot of us were. But well, not necessarily raging. We were, we were raging binge drinkers. Um, we were alcoholics in training. Yeah. And then the wheels fell off. <laughs> Literally. Then you became friends of Bill W. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Interesting, though, that the uh, Sig Pie House is, like, right down the street from the round table on 4th Street there. So yes, they've got a nice, a nice little stroll for when they need to make that transition. It's handy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, was my, that was my fraternity thing there. That's all I've got to say on the topic. <laughs> well, like Peter and I were saying, you know, the thing is, 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 is uh, yeah, what was done and what was said and everything is upsetting to most people. But that doesn't, uh, you know, as I say, they've got a right to have those fucked up opinions they and, do. And, yep. uh, and they have a right to express them uh, you know sometimes your rights come with consequences mm-hmm. and that's what they learned mm-hmm. they learned uh, you know you, you, you have the right to freely express your nonsense and the university has a right to expel you and, and take away your your charter and all those kind of things involved um, and realistically it's like because uh, there's a there's a uh, there, they've been interviewing this black guy who was an SAE 14 years ago mm-hmm. lived in that same house and he's just said, he says, you know, these guys are going to find out what it's like to walk into a room. Because, you know, the guys that apologize and stuff mm-hmm. like that. He goes, they're going to find out what it's like to walk into a room and be prejudged. You know, and, and mm-hmm. we're going to say, you know, people, some people are going to believe your apology. A lot of people aren't going to believe your apology. But a lot of people are going to believe you do have those racist views. Did these guys get kicked out of the university? They've been expelled, yes. See, I don't and think that's right. I don't. I honestly don't think that's right. I, and I don't, again, it, I don't defend what they're saying. No, no but, they, but yeah, I don't think it's right. That's what we said. It's a, it's a public university that's supposed to value you know, free speech in some regard. So, even right, if it you know, means you're an asshole. Yeah, yeah, and I yeah. think they have a really... Unless they, unless, I think their lawyers unless are going to have, have a Unless they have something in the school's MOU or bylaws or whatever... About behavior and stuff like that. So I'm sure there's something buried somewhere. There is. It's it's always, and it's an always older. really vague. It's always really. It's like a catch-all. It's always yeah. a catch-all, right? You know. Yeah. I. Yeah. I think that's. I personally. Well, this goes back. This is like. Don't agree with this. This line of. This is the same thinking, thing. We, but it's still same. not something you should be allowed to be thrown out of school for. I mean, you I shouldn't have to sell your basketball team either. Yeah. And, you know. I mean, I. <laughs> that's. I sang some horrible songs. On buses. Oh my gosh! I mean, they like I said, they were mostly misogynistic, you know. They were, but I mean, hey, we dig her up every now and then. You know? <laughs> I mean, I heard, I heard. They, they, we sang some fucked up stuff, but it wasn't the kind of. I mean, girls were in the room, were on the bus when we sang it, and they 
Sometimes they know the words too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and the songs the girls sang were so much more derogatory towards women than anything that we had. I mean, holy cow! Especially uh, the AOPI girls—they had some great songs. (laughs) (laughs) But their songs—it's supposed to be fun. This one, like I said. Probably, it was probably supposed to be fun. Probably was supposed to be fun. And it was in bad taste. Yes, bad taste. Uh, but, but you we, know what? The thing, the thing, the thing is, 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 you know, when you start talking about bad taste, the thing is, when you have, listen, I played football and stuff like that, and we all did, right? And yeah. there's always, and there's a whole lot of stuff that people do, uh, especially when they're all in a in a team uh-huh. or a group, whatever. That's Done in bad taste. Yeah, it just—I mean—that's just the nature of the beast, right? It's, you know, you you know, you just you have these chants, these songs, these whatever fraternities, whether it's clubs, or there's sports. There's a lot of stuff that's done in bad taste. It doesn't always make people a bad person. It doesn't always reflect upon the the unit that's involved, you know, there or the the, the organization that's involved there. Um, you know, sometimes it comes with consequences. And you're right. I mean. Yeah, they were expelled. I'm not sure if the, that would be my. my I just don't think that. Yeah. I, I don't think that's. You right. know, uh, you leave them on campus. They're gonna d- catch more shit on well, campus. And, and and hammer the hammer the fraternity for for fostering an environment that's perhaps. Here's, here's the deal with that. But that fraternity will be back on campus in three years. Right. I guarantee you. I like it's, their, it's the biggest. Take, it's the biggest fraternity in the United States. Oh yeah. I saw them taking it's, the, it's the, the most off, taking the letters off the walls and. and when fraternities get kicked off campus, even in high-profile incidents like this, they come back, especially fraternities like SAE. I mean, they will be back at Oklahoma as a colony, if nothing else, within three or four years, and there'll be a full-fledged chapter again. That's what they call it at the beginning. It's your yeah. secret shit there. Right, yeah. uh, they, they we got the handshake, too. That's all I like. No, I, that's I, all I, I can tell us. I don't know their handshake, but I'm sure it's very similar to ours because they all copied the same shit off the Masons. So. <laughs> I'm going to call up uh, Tom Cruise and find out what your secret society you belong to. Well, you, if you want to figure out any fraternity's secretish stuff, just Google it. I mean, everybody's got some pissed off kid who got kicked out and put it all on the internet. It's up true? there. It's Isn't all up there. Yeah, I I remember it was a big deal when I was in school. Oh, somebody put all of our secrets on the internet. Yeah, and nobody would have found it if you weren't looking for it. <laughs> and no one would know about it still if you weren't talking about it right now. Exactly. And really, we know everybody who comes through here. So it's not like somebody's going to use our secrets and come in and, and do what? <laughs> Steal the piss off the floors in the basement, like. Come on. But you know, your your fraternity's full of uh, overachievers, man. They're like mayors. They're mayors. Yeah, we've got we've got the current sitting mayor yeah, of uh, yeah. a South Bay, the Southern California, yeah. L.A. city. Yeah. You which you know, some magazine just said we're the second worst governed city in the country. <laughs> oh really? Yeah. <laughs> what magazine was that? L.A. L.A. Remember. Weekly. <laughs> no, but it was off of some some years long study about yeah. government expenditures and all kinds of nonsense. I don't hmm. know. That's like they rank Lubbock, Texas, as like number one. So, hey, I lived in D.C. when Marion Barry was the fucking mayor. <laughs> the first time so, around, or the second time around, the second time around, the second time around. You guys so, re-elected that to the I, I didn't re-elect nothing. I mean, <laughs> I was there when he was sitting through Jerry Brown part two. Right? Yeah, it's like no, he didn't go do time either. <laughs> so uh, he did Linda Ronson. I don't know. I mean, I would have a hard time. Uh, I would have a hard it time. Might be worse. I've lived. There, I've, I've lived here for a number no, of years. Right? I, 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 I just—it's all relative, I think. <laughs> I heard it on the radio today. It's absurd, I, like, I think. Oh, wow. Huh. 
I think some more research probably needs to be done on that because uh, I'm not saying it's the greatest, but it's a long way from the worst anytime or second worst. Anytime you see these studies, you got to go, that's a fucked up study. Who came up with this? Yeah. Why are you trying to be a dick and single us out? Which parameters did you use? Which, which, you know. I I think it's, you know, they had like a top ten best and a bottom ten worst. And it's like, okay, so there's how many... How many hundreds of thousands of cities in between that just, yeah, yeah we're just not going to bother. Yeah, well, I don't you know. know, speaking of studies, we, we, we mentioned last week how AEG paid <laughs> for the study that said that Inglewood shouldn't have a team, <laughs> or shouldn't have a stadium, and then they bow out a week later. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> well, that's... Were you going to talk yeah, about Yeah, we're done with this part. We can talk about sports. <laughs> now, let's take a quick break and come back and do yeah, your whole intro. I think I need to pour another beer in here. Yeah, I got to take care. I got to... Pay, repay the piper. Again? You're, yeah, I like that, Francis. You're listening to Swoosh of the Talk Star Radio Network. This is Pink Elephant, Careless Confusion. And we'll be doing T-Bone's Time Out when we get back.
Hey, how you doing? This is Joe Walsh. I'm speaking on behalf of Rad. It's okay to rock and roll, right? But don't drive home drunk. If you're drunk, call me up. I have a limo. I'll come and get you. Public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. Imagine no longer being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Let TalkStream Live transform the way you listen to radio. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. You're listening to the Talk Story Radio Network. Hello, this is Lady Vijayjay, and you're listening to Swoops World Radio. <laughs> Welcome back to Swoops World the Talk Story Radio Network. Let's get T-Bone's uh, intro here. We can do it right, man. That's how we roll, you know what I'm saying? Uh, you know that sound? It's time for sports with T-Bone's timeout. Or as we say it here, it's T-Bone's timeout. Here we are, almost the middle of March. Uh... Baseball, it's like, oh, it's almost baseball season. I, I walked I walked on campus at work on Monday, and they had mowed the grass that morning, and I just mm. walked around and just had that baseball smell. Yeah, it yeah. Was, it was still a little warm, uh, but the grass had just been cut. We had the time change, so at 5.45, it was still like broad daylight. I was like, oh, my uh, God. That's nice, isn't it? This is awesome. That makes up for the... Uh, when it's 6.30, it's still dark in the morning. Yeah, yeah. that blows, I hate man. that. I don't wake up. I, 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 can't, I don't even want to get out of bed, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was still, my, my, my sleep and, uh, you know, invigoration schedule was still out of whack for the last couple of days. But I feel like tomorrow is going to be, I'm going to be hitting my stride tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> man, what a plan. Depends like on how that. many of these I hit. Man, what a plan. But, um, yeah, man, baseball is almost... Almost happening. The dirtbags are, are doing their thing. In fact, actually, they played today, and then they have a like a week and a half hiatus before they host Cal State Fullerton next weekend, twentieth, twenty first, and twenty second. But big news right now is about college basketball. We are it's March eleventh. Uh, conference. Championship tournaments are underway for all the conferences that hold conference championship tournaments. Uh, a few conferences that don't do a tournament have already crowned a champion and uh, stamped tickets to the NCAA tournament. Uh, in the Big West, which is the only one that I care about for the time being, because whichever team wins the tournament makes it, and then we'll get their asses handed to them <laughs> early on in the big dance. But Long Beach State finished the year fourth in the conference in the regular season, which is down for them over the last several years since uh, Munson arrived. But they uh, enter the Big West tournament tomorrow as the four seed. They're going to be taking on Hawaii. That's going to be at 
That's going to be at 2.30 tomorrow, and I'm sure it'll be on the interwebs somewhere. This is at the right Honda out? Center in Anaheim. Oh, right. The Big West Championship Tournament always goes on over there. It does. I was there one time. It used to happen at the Anaheim Convention Center. You know, the, I remember that. The mushroom yeah. across the street from Disneyland there. Yeah. In fact, the last time I went to a Big West Championship uh, Tournament, it was there, and that was back in uh, maybe Ot 7. Ot 7. The second to last time that they went to the tournament because they went a couple of years ago. But uh, Long Beach State with a shot, but uh, uphill climb because Cal State uh, Northridge, I believe, won the regular season title for the Big West this year, kind of out of nowhere, man. Like they really haven't been good in several years. So uh, Santa Barbara and Long Beach have kind of, and Cal Poly to us to some extent, have kind of gone back and forth as the teams who have represented the Big West over the last five years. But this year, Real we'll quick, uh, I, I saw something, uh, I believe I was leaving Rascals. <laughs> but, uh, they had a thing about the... the, the I like uh, that joint. L, yeah, uh, you know, LVCC uh, bas- men's basketball team. Oh, yeah? At the Pyramid. And they said it had the Pyramid had the largest... Largest video board in a basketball arena, college basketball arena in the country. Yeah. Yeah, that, as of this season, apparently they put a new video board in there. I haven't been to a game yet. So. Neither have I. And they're done with home games for the year. So, oops. <laughs> Next, <time>. Next year. <laughs> uh, men's volleyball is coming up, though. So, hey, we go watch a men's volleyball match. Mm, hot. Women's volleyball. They there got, we go. They got those shorts. I, uh, that... I tend to watch that down at the beach. <laughs> yeah, uniforms are better down there. Yeah, yeah that's no, true. Yeah, but the, in, the indoor <laughs> uniforms aren't that bad. They're not that bad. <laughs> But down at the beach, I don't have to pay. I will. I will still never forget my my freshman I, year. I, I've been down to the beach a few times. God, my freshman year at Long Beach State, going into the dining hall, and all there were just all these six foot five women <laughs> in spandex shorts that were like that, maybe three and a half inches tall. Maybe. Maybe, and it's just not three and a quarter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, see, my freshman year, they were all giant, but they were not attractive. Next year, the coaches recruited some good-looking women, and it continued throughout the rest of my tenure there. Um, How fortuitous, yes. Nice. Yes, quite fortuitous. Ah, you're a gentleman in this <laughs> um, The dirt bags, yeah, they, they're, they're on a little bit of a week-and-a-half break here. Uh, the Lakers, uh, first, most uh, earliest point in the season that the Lakers have been mathematically eliminated from the playoffs since moving since they to were Los Angeles, Minneapolis. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I was at I was at Cloud Nine last night up on the north side. You know, Jerry, Jerry Bus must be spinning. Yeah, he's flipping he just he's must like, be spinning. What the fuck did I leave this to you guys for? Uh, yeah. Where's Cloud Nine? And, and Artesia and Rose, yeah, not, something not like that. Down, yeah, north side. You it's know. way out there. I used to live out there though. Yeah. Uh, hmm. Across the street from Bottoms Up. No, oh, I know where it's at. <laughs> Not the Bellflower Bottoms up. No, I know what you're talking about. The North Long uh, Beach Bottoms. Yes, up. I did know where it's at. Uh, I passed by there. Okay. But I was I was watching Sports Center, you know, in between watching other Da-da-da. things there last night, and there's no audio. But I saw Byron Scott doing his post game interview, and I was just like, man, this guy got totally screwed. He got hosed, man. He got totally hosed. Friggin' screwed. <laughs> he said he's basically. We're gonna stick this guy in there to satisfy people's whatever, and, yeah. he, and then when we, you know, when we start to make, when they decide they want to win again, they're gonna can him and put uh-huh. someone else in anyway. Exactly. Yeah. He got absolutely boned by an organization that he's been nothing but loyal to, right? And 
He certainly deserved better. Yeah. From oh, that. you think? Yeah. So <laughs> for what I, he's given, I feel for the man. Uh, yeah. And for some reason, Kobe was giving an interview, and I'm like, "What the hell? You, you're in a Hawaiian shirt." Because uh, as of yesterday, I think it was. <laughs> did they did they give him a contract extension no, for the remainder of the season? He's gonna, he had, you know he hasn't been coming to the games for the remainder. If he has, he's been up in his booth. For the remainder of the season, he's going to be sitting on the bench alongside oh. Byron Scott. So he can make his co- his teammates feel like crap up close. <laughs> So you can tell, you can tell Byron Scott exactly <laughs> what, the fuck he's what to wrong? do, <laughs> exactly where he's doing he things wrong. Out on the court and tell uh, Jeremy Lin to foul. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, that way he doesn't have to relay it down. Yeah. You know, then it's a little page yeah, point you know, out. Things get lost in translation. <laughs> yep, yep. You're gonna have to throw lost in translation, flag. man. Because yep, yep. football's. Not basketball, right? Because in football, he'd be sitting up there. With those cards? Hey, you know what? No, he'd, have, he'd, have, he'd have his headphones on, yeah, and he'd be talking to... directly mm-hmm. to him. But they don't do that in basketball. So he's got to sit down right there. No and headsets, make sh- no helmets. Right. they got to sit down right there and make sure, like, whisper right into Draw on the whiteboard. Uh-huh. GFY. <laughs> <laughs> so free agency in the NFL has been very entertaining. It has um, been. There have been some trades that... I don't think anybody saw coming. What is what is what what is Chip Kelly doing, man? He's Chip so, Kelly. He's, he's uh, the Eagles, I, I was talking about this with with uh, a fella at the at the cloud last night, and his take was that Chip Kelly is racist and he's cutting all the black guys. <laughs> I got a good laugh at that. <laughs> I got a good chuckle out of that, and I said. He's cut a lot of veteran guys and guys, and also you know cut or traded veterans <laughs> whose production has dropped, or guys who have been perceived as locker room problems. The only outlier in that is the trade that went that uh, is going Brought through with Bradford for Foles. He, he traded Foles. Yes, I didn't Nick, know that. Nick Foles to St. Louis, Sam Bradford. To Philly, he's, he's too far. He's too far down. There. He's too far. Oh, he got Sam Bradford. Yes, Bra- and Bradford been injured. Yes, a lot. a lot. Yes, and now so Sanchez is still going to be the starter. Then, right? Well, no, because I think they're they're going to draft a quarterback, and I think they're, well, that, they're not going to get Mariota because he's they're, they're, they're no, first, they they did just well enough. They got fourteen, right? They get their first yeah, pick they're right 14. in the middle because yeah. they finished nine and seven or eight and eight, something like that. Um, their their draft selection is going to be right in the middle, and if, if they want to trade up and do serious long-term damage to their franchise so that they can pick Mariota, they'll do that, but I don't think they'll do One that. One of the few things I agree with uh, Colin Cowherd about is never trade up for... It's just not... You, it's always a bust. Yeah. So yeah. The draft is too much of a crapshoot to sacrifice... You give up too much. ...several years of you know that crapshoot. Because yep. you're still talking about the same odds, just getting to play it less times. Especially when you look look at look at who's coming, like you mentioned Brady. You mm-hmm. look at guys who came, you know, came He's in the two hundred and fifteenth pick of the draft. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Tim Tebow was the twenty third pick in the draft. He's coming back, man. He's coming back. I read an article on him yesterday. Said that he's been working with, uh, I think, Brady's quarterback coach. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and the guy says uh, he's worked with him the last two years, and he says he's the most accurate he's ever seen him. And he says he throws fucking tight spirals and blah blah blah. He's coming back, man. We'll he's see. a gamer, man. He's a gamer. I'll he put, is. I'll put, I'll put, the kid's I'll a ball put, player. I don't care what anybody team. says about him. He's a ball player. Exactly. Um, and I I would put him under center before a lot of guys that yes, are currently man. getting continue to pass around the quarterback carousel. It's just like the head coaching thing. I mean, like, Ryan Fitzpatrick, hey, you're a, you're a gritty, 
smart, persistent guy. But you should not be a starting quarterback in the NFL. <laughs> Sorry. I mentioned you were smart, right? You went to, you went to Harvard. He went to Harvard. That's yeah, right. He but, sure did. But you should not be a starting quarterback in the NFL. You've given it a hell of a run. You made it longer than anybody expected you to. And in fucking Buffalo, of all places. <laughs> Didn't Superman go to Harvard? No, he went to Yale. He, he was a quarterback from Yale, right? Uh, what's his... What's, Dean, Dean, Dean Kane. Kane, yeah. He, Dean he Kane. played at Yale. I don't know if he played quarterback, did he? Uh, he played something at Yale. Yeah, he played at Yale. He was no Dwayne the Rock Johnson <laughs> playing at the U, <laughs> even though he was kind of an afterthought at the U. He played, though. He did. He yeah. did. He played more than I did. So this guy who I was talking to at the bar last night who was telling me that Chip Kelly is cutting all the black guys from the Eagles, um, he had an Eagles hat on. He was an Eagles fan. But he also, well, he, he, let, he let off the conversation – Kane was assigned as a free agent for the Buffalo Bills, but a knee injury uh, during training camp ended his football career. Where did he play? What was it? What position? I don't know what position he played. Did that say he was adopted? Just like Superman? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> what does he say? On counting. Up there in the early life part. Early life? Yeah. yeah. The part that nobody cares about. <laughs> Cause, yeah, because it... Because he fell from a spaceship <laughs> from the sky? Yeah, yeah. My Kane's mother married... Oh, here you go. Here you go. Real quick. Uh, da, 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 da. He's born in Michigan. Son of Sharon, an actress, and Roger Tanaka. He's French-Canadian, blah, blah, blah. In 69, Kane's mother married film director Christopher Kane, who adopted Dean and his brother, musician Roger Kane. There hmm. you go. Hmm. Both attended Sanmo High, the same place that the uh, the uh, um, Charlie Sheen and his brother went. Emilio. Yeah, Emilio. Oh wait, wait. He went. He went to Princeton. Oh, he was a tiger. Zeta Phi fraternity. Not Zeta Phi Rho, because that's an Asian fraternity. Well, he, his last name's Tanaka, so that's Japanese, right? Ah, yep. so. Yeah. <laughs> Delta Kai. <laughs> yeah, you know, we gotta get him when we can. One of my best Delta Kai friends, Japanese. Uh, that's the that's the old. That's the, that's the, one of my best friend's black. <laughs> yeah, he used to bring me dinner. Bring my no, no, Frank, you're my boy. Um, damn it! Now you make me out to be an asshole. We had talked about a couple guys that retired, a couple of other uh, interesting trades and reshufflings. Frank Gore, who has been a beast of a running back in San oh, Francisco for the last. <laughs> oh, oh, we got more Dean Kane. Yeah, he played with uh, Rob Lowe. He played football. He played baseball with Rob Lowe and uh, Charlie Sheen when they were at Santa Monica High. <laughs> he should get in on those direct TV commercials. The those are some funny commercials, man. <laughs> all right, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm no, not. it's all right. Uh, what were you talking about? You were moving on. NFL free agency shenanigans and trades, etc. Uh, the Colts got two fun signings, Frank Gore and Andre Johnson. Um, and Sue signs with the Dolphins for a Yeah, did you, did you my text? I, I sent you a screenshot from the ESPN. Oh, yeah. Because uh, he was supposed to go talk yeah, to the Raiders. Yeah, hang out with the Raiders <laughs> and chat things up. Um, but, yeah, Miami wins wins the let's sacrifice our cap award. And they spend $60 million guaranteed, I think, 100 and something million over four years. 
a whole lot of money. He's going to be the highest paid defensive player in the NFL this wow. this coming season. No pressure. Uh, yeah, no no pressure there. Um, we saw a couple of other quarterbacks moving around. I and, and I'm you know, the the one that shocked me the most was Foles and Bradford. Just because Foles has been capable, serviceable. <laughs> We got YouTube going crazy over yeah, there. Was, yeah, to but, <laughs> um, but I knew that Foles didn't fit into into Chip Kelly's long term plan in Philadelphia. He just didn't fit his offense. So did he play quarterback? I think so. Dean Tanaka? <laughs> he was Kane by then. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna call him Tanaka anyway. I feel like Superman should be a Tanaka. <laughs> <laughs> See, Princeton's in the orange and black, so. Are they? Yeah. Okay. Princeton's the Tigers. And orange and black is the only colors that can properly represent the ugliness that is New Jersey. Uh, Tigers and Bengals. Same difference, right? Yeah. <laughs> Just gross. <laughs> You're right. He's, he's playing defense. He makes an interception in the. Oh, yeah? That's what they said. Somebody, somebody posted Did he lay out for it? Did he go there. Superman? Oh, there he is right there, number 11. Number 11. Nice. Way to go, Dean Kane. Yeah. I always liked that uh, that TV version of Superman. Melissa Clark, yeah. is it? And it didn't help. didn't hurt that Terry Hatcher is, you know. Hot? Fucking she was hot. <laughs> yeah. She's not hot now, but she was hot back then. No, but she, she, she did her part to make that You're show. really judgmental that way. Yeah, let's face it, I, I, was I still, can live with that. I was still <laughs> you brutalized what's her name? <laughs> it was like Californication. You're like, oh man! Oh. <laughs> you refuse to watch it. <laughs> That's not why I refuse to watch it. There are other reasons why I refuse to watch it. That's a great show, man. That was a great. It was a good show, man. <laughs> You Kathleen know, Turner, yeah. Yeah, that's what it was. Kathleen <laughs> Turner? <laughs> Kathleen Turner was was just gorgeous. She was, yeah. She, oh my god. Like uh and I and so as long as she doesn't talk. Well back then she was uh, she was gorgeous. Even if she talked. But now it's like, oh my god. The last thing I remember her being in was like in the late nineties. She was in a few episodes of Friends as she was uh, what was that movie she did? Chandler's with drag queen dad. Oh my god! She's <laughs> in the Romance in the Stone. That's the last thing I Except remember. Remember, she was with with, with Man uh, with, with Two Brains with, with, uh, with Ber- uh, Berenger, with uh, Tom Berenger. She was in a movie with Tom Berenger. Was pretty- there goes Dean Cain. Just picked it off. Oh, he could go all the way. Thank goodness he didn't have a spine injury. Oh god! That in poor taste. I liked, Christopher, I liked Christopher Reeve, too, but I like Dean Cain better. Oh, you're brutal. He's a better Superman. Oh, and honestly, Terry Hatcher, way better than, what's her name? Uh, yeah. The broad who did it in, who played Lois Lane in the, in the Christopher Reeve. Isn't she the crazy one? Uh, yeah. Crazy one. Yeah. That shit crazy. Yeah. What's her name? Margot Kidder. Margot Kidder. Yeah. There she is. No. Yeah. Not attractive. No. 
I would not spin the world backwards for her. Nope. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> nope. I'd move um, on. <laughs> hey, Matt Kemp hit his first spring training home wait, run wait, as a senior. If San you have the capability to spin the world back, you'd, you'd show it off to everybody. Not Margo. That took Kidder. a lot out of it, man. <laughs> not Margo Kidder, I would. Yeah. Terry Hatcher, I might. Yeah, I'd, I'd Terry Hatcher was in a. She was in a James Bond flick, right? She was, was she? A, yeah, she's a one of the good Bond girls. Uh, you know how they have the bo- bad Bond and the good Bond. She, yeah, she was. Uh, I don't remember the title. Pierce Brosnan, though. She had a lingerie scene that was memorable. Hmm. Black lingerie, high heels. Yep. Which one? Goldeneye? Is it in that one? I, I haven't. I haven't you watched. You know that weirdo guy that has that weird Dutch German funky accent. Like every Bond villain ever. Yeah. I know. <laughs> you narrow it down. But, but dressing, yeah, I was going to say dressed in a gray suit, but that doesn't help either. <laughs> Let's just throw an eye patch in there. Uh, no eye patch, though. No eye patch. <laughs> I don't know. My, my knowledge of the Bond uh, canon is not, not top-notch of all of the many... Epic sagas in American cinema and literature. <laughs> Sorry, Mister. <laughs> yeah, I just I, I don't know that many Bond. Tomorrow movies. never dies. Oh, see, Ian Fleming is uh, he's not happy with you there, man. Mister Ian Fleming. Ian Sorry, Ian. bro. Uh. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. we're checking out some Terry Patcher, Terry Hatcher. Terry Hatcher. <laughs> oh, here you go. Here's one. I got ahead of myself. Oh, yeah, I think you did. Yeah, I'm super excited. That's the one. Yup. Yes, indeed. And you get a you get a frontal view of that too. So. Carry on. Makes me think of her role in Seinfeld. They're real and they're, they're spectacular. spectacular. <laughs> Um, Matt Kemp hit his first uh, first home run as a San Diego Padre this week. That's right, he's a Padre now. Yeah, Matt Kemp is on Los Padres de San Diego, and you know, in the in the vein of adding LA personalities to the Padres, Will Ferrell is going to play in a spring training game. I saw that for I the Padres. Yeah. You know, hey, they had Garth Brooks play for them for spring training probably yes, fifteen years ago. I remember that. Uh, why not, man? It's the Padres. Did you in, see in spring training? You yeah. Know who else is doing pretty well in spring training? Unbelievable. He's doing better in spring training than he did prior to being suspended. <laughs> Zayrat. He's like a, That's that handwritten they, note. They had his stats up. They compared his last spring training to this spring training. More home runs, better average. Hitting. I guess you know you lay off a couple of years. It's like when uh, it's like when uh, the Raiders didn't play Marcus Allen for a couple of years. Then he went to the Chiefs, and he was just like. A rookie all over again. Well, my, as my kid was asking me, Dad, why don't you, you want to talk to me about, you know, preseason and anything? You know, Dodgers doing well. I was like, preseason lets you down, man. And then he went on and was like, how come you don't care about this? I said, because none of it matters. Exactly. It's irrelevant <clears throat> until the games actually count. Then, then. You know, I mean, how many times have we seen? Dude, pick your sport. Same. Your I, team is had, killing had, it in the preseason. I had season and tickets. And they suck. That one year. In the real uh, season. A couple years. When the one year I had season tickets to the Raiders, they won pretty much all their preseason games. They won their first eight games of the 16-game season. And then they went on to lose the last eight games of that 16-game season. <laughs> I got to say, I do think the, do- the, the, the 
Padres come out way ahead on the Kemp deal because they're not paying the dollars. And right, the Dodgers have to pick it up. Right, and the thing is, Kemp's a head case. I mean, I like the guy as far as like what he does. You know, he does tons of. He's a nice guy. He does tons of. But he's a head case when it came to the game, and now he's going to be totally motivated to have the bet. I predict, barring an injury, he's going to have. He's probably going to have a better season than his MVP almost season. And, and just he, because Paul knows when he's one of those guys, when he gets down on himself, he's down on himself. Yeah, but, but he's, he's going to be, be so pumped. He's going to be in a place too where there's not going to be the pressure. Right. Yeah. yeah and and the Rihanna's because suck, the pressure. Rihanna's not sucking the life out of him. That's anymore, right. So. That's right. <laughs> and he's got to prove himself. He's got to prove himself. And see, that's the problem. I think with, with, the the pressure that the Dodgers have have gone. I've undergone the last five years has been. I mean, you've seen it crack the foundations of that team the last five years because expectations were down for like a good decade. I mean, and then starting probably in 06, 07, yeah, somewhere in there, you know, they started to bring in some young guys that that sparked some excitement. They brought in some some proven vets, and things got interesting. Uh, but Matt Camp reminds me of Adrian Beltre. Same sort of guy as far as... God, he was so good, though. He was so good, but he never, ever lived up to his potential until he went to Seattle, mm-hmm. right? And then he's but killing it. That 45 happened. home runs. How many times does that happen to Dodgers? Guys but lead, it happens, guys it happens not Dodgers just to Dodgers. It happens to places like in Boston. It happens in places like New York. Sometimes... The guys need to leave. You think the city's just too big? Too, too many? Uh, I think it's a combination. Expectations yeah. too high. Expectations. Big, big money market. And then in Kemp's case, as with a- Adrian Beltre, uh, a big fat contract. So yeah, now there's Kemp, no. Kemp was still trying to. He was always, you know, he got hurt, and then he was still trying to figure out. You left me for a guy that beats you. <laughs> There's that. I don't screw with yourself. There were some serious. Well, there were some, ser- well, some serious right? distractions yeah, yeah. for sure. Because uh, uh, he knew he could never live up to. <laughs> Not even gonna say. It. <laughs> but he. Let's just say he's never gonna bat a thousand. <laughs> Look, Padres ended up in third or fourth, right? They've done more to improve themselves than the Dodgers. And if Kemp has a good year, just a good year, I think he's gonna have a great year. You know, the, obviously the Giants are the team to beat. I mean, they won the World Series, right? Uh, but I think the Padres are... The division are, is much more interesting this year. Yeah. I, I, I'm going to pick... I'm definitely picking the Padres to end up in second because there's no way the Dodgers are ending up Didn't there. The Giants win like three in the last They've five. They've won three in the, the last, last five. five. Yeah. And but they're going to take this year off because they don't win it in even years. Yeah. I mean, in well, they're not going to They're not going to win the World Series, but they almost certainly, barring some serious injuries, are going to win uh, the division. Uh, but and I think the I think, think the Padres end up higher than the Dodgers for sure. I don't see that. I don't see oh the, yeah. I don't see the Padres ahead of the Dodgers. Well, the Dodgers the, didn't help themselves. The, the Padres did the one thing that no one ever thought they would do, which is spend money on bats. Um, they, that's a that's a hitter's park, right? No, ooh, that's ooh, that's ooh, pretty ooh. that's a pretty pitcher friendly ballpark. And really? they actually, actually moved actually they moved a couple of the fences. They moved a couple of fences in two years ago because throughout the first. Eight years of the stadium. I mean, Padre hitters don't hit home runs anywhere. I saw but, bombs, correct? except for Gonzalez. <laughs> yeah, but and I was there for one. I I missed an opposite field Adrian Gonzalez home run in left field by like four people. I mean, I was in the fray, but I didn't get the ball. I saw Bonds um, crush one out of there. I saw Bonds hit a few out of there. 
and I saw him hit a lot out of Qualcomm. Yeah, I was going to say, where did Vaughn's not hit one out? But, um, the, I saw him hit two at Dodger Stadium. I took we yeah. went to we went to that. Uh, you know how they, every year they had that uh, the business and special the first game of the season. Uh, yeah. It's like an afternoon game there. I took I took my oldest son and we went and we saw Bonds crush two out of the park, just crushing them. I mean, one one was out of the park and one was deep in that what used to be the Fernando seats uh-huh. where they don't they sell the beer after I don't know they, they start selling beer there now. There's a time they stopped selling beer there. Period. It's too rowdy. Yeah, it got kind of. Too I think they're too. back. They're back to having beer everywhere now. Yeah. They've got bars out in the outfield now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But. They don't do two dollar Tuesdays anymore because no. that's when, <laughs> when you don't have to spend money on a ticket, that gives you more money to spend on beer. <laughs> oh yes, yeah. Baseball been better, better good, better, better good. It's gonna be a fun year. Uh, I just re-upped my MLB TV subscription yesterday. You actually pay for TV stuff. I right? pay for that. Oh. You know, like, who knew? I, I would rather support Major League <laughs> Baseball than the NFL. Financially, the NFL doesn't need my money. None of them need your money. No, no, <laughs> they all want it. A little FYI, there, brother. <laughs> baseball can continue in perpetuity. Football is going to get banned eventually. You know, the damn, yeah. the damn government's going to screw it around. Banned. I just think they're going to they're going to relegate it to other countries, and then like Thailand, yeah, and then televise it, supervise it. You know, then 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 it'll, it'll, be, it'll be like off track betting style. Yeah, it'll be even more bloody and even more like they'll they'll, they'll say. No more face masks, so that we can leather helmets. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. You can hold hands and run down the field. <laughs> well, man, play with leather helmets, man. No yeah. face masks. There'll be more blood. There'll be more gore. They might even add a few, like collegiately. Maybe, maybe you could have like um, metal. Oh, we're talking. About, we're talking some. We're talking some Mad Max shit here. Yeah, yeah. that's what that's what's gonna happen it's for sure. <laughs> we're already heading that way. Is it's just a matter of time. That uh, should be over. Yeah. It won't be. That won't be sexy anymore. Yeah. I can see that. Surprised my my. But Rihanna might still be around. Rihanna might still be around for that. Yeah. But I I honestly don't mind supporting baseball financially you know i feel like it's something that i would like my if i ever have them kids and grandkids to experience you know look at him man he's, that's what happens when you he's got college funds going <laughs> no, no, he's got grandkids yeah yeah Oh no! I know I'll come never. here, Sonny. I know. Even if they come about, I'll never see great grandkids. I'll be dead way before that happens. Not to say it won't happen. But he's planning. He's planning. We're over fifteen, but we got two. Other, I think there's two things we need to talk about too. So, but take your time. I'm just letting you no, know. No, no, no. You know where we're at. Uh, Nip high football rules. Yeah. I'm, what about I'm man, man, March Madness, man. What about? What's, what's oh about? crap! I'll have them. I'll have the bracket up as soon as we, uh, as soon as we have a final bracket set. I'll send it out to everybody. Wow. There you have it, another edition of t Time out. You're listening to Star Radio Network. We are going to take a quick break, come back, talk about two quick things, and call it a night. This is uh, the Chris Anderson Group, Blue Collar, back after this. Blue Collar Blues. <laughs>
Story Radio. I'm Joey. I'm Robert. I'm Dennis. And I'm Ellen. And we're It's Okay! And you're listening to Swoon's World! Uh, I'm always a big, I always believe that if you have like tools available to you, no matter what your job is, uh, and you know, they're available to you, use them. So, and, and uh, I was watching videos the other day, and uh, I was reading the, the comments in the videos. Um, you know, some of these bands are fairly entertaining and seem fairly talented, but there's this whole discussion on auto tune. And then people are going, ah, this is bullshit. They use Autotune. Uh, you know, they're good singers. They do that. You know, it's entertainment. And at first I was like, yeah, yeah. Then I thought about, it. you know what? It's not like you're, you're lip singing. It's not like you got some pre-recorded crap. But if that's a tool that's just available to you, and you're, in, you're entertaining and it sounds good, why not use it? I mean, I was just kind of want to see what your thoughts on that. I think it depends on what you're doing. If you're an opera singer. And you're using auto tune, then that's a problem, right? Yeah. Because the point said, of opera this is definitely is, what opera. Yeah. Right, right. I the got point you. of opera, I, though, is it's it's yes, it's a yeah. whole tradi- traditional art. It's kind of like okay, you were you you carved stone, but you were like old school hammer and chisel. You didn't use a Dremel. You didn't use right. The, the, I, I think of opera the same way. Opera's like that. Yeah. You know, like you, your voice should be so pure and, and, right. and you are so talented or whatever. If your kiss. Right, and you're you painted your face, (laughs) you know, and your hairband, uh, and you're using some auto tune. I don't know, you know, that it's really a big deal. As long as you're actually singing, yeah, that's how I felt about it. Now, my kid, uh, he's he's got a band going. He's he's in the you know 14 year old range, and they're still in the learning process. Oh, they're definitely in the learning process. But he's hanging out with his buddy, his drummer. Uh, the dad is also a musician and got this crazy, like extreme auto tune, where it's got a hundred and five hundred and ten presets. So, and it's everything from Tinkerbell, <laughs> literally. I mean, I've heard it to like Barbra Streisand to um, Axl Rose. Uh, and so my son does the singing. He's, he's the guitar player, but he also does the singing because they haven't found a, 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 a guy to do that. And so he's got a decent voice, yeah, uh, but he's not him. a great voice. He, I mean, he's, he's going to have to make it in music. He's going to have to make it as a musician, as a, as a guitar player and not a singer. Well, <laughs> it depends. Well, it depends. We all know. We can all name, we can all list 10 people yeah. who are successful and you go, well, he's not, that's not the greatest voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And your kid's got a decent voice. Decent voice, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, his talent lies in guitar playing. And he, he oh, he's amazing. and amazingly, yeah. he can play, like, these highly technical stuff from Metallica and Slayer and still sing at the same time. I, I can barely, like, answer a yes or no question while I'm playing the guitar. Yeah, it's amazing. So, point, though, is that... He usually goes like this. Can't you see I'm playing it? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly how it goes. So, um, you know... It, it, I, my thinking is, is like, so they love to play with it. They love to goof off with it. And, and so sometimes I'll roll in there picking them up, and they've got 
Tinkerbell going mm. while they're doing some serious, <laughs> yeah. like, Slayer Metallica <laughs> stuff. So, um, and what is it? It's entertainment. Exactly. Uh, so I kind of feel like it's like anything. It's like any sort of music, I think. Uh, you know, I mean... You have your you have your you have your bands that you love because they're pure. They're pure musicians. They're pure songwriters. There, and then you have your pop guys that you love because they're fun, because they're enjoyable, because they're the auto tune falls in that spectrum. Who do you? I mean, are you listening to someone because they're pure musicians, and now they've taken up the auto tune? That's a problem, right? If you're you're a big fan of Pick, take your pick, you know, like anybody that's just totally pop, just totally entertainment, and they're using the auto tune. Uh... Well, you know, it's interesting because is you know you talk about like some of these people, some of these uh, especially pop people, they're singing, they're dancing, they're running around stage, and realistically, you're there for the entire entertainment right. aspect. Of it, right? See, here's my problem, and and here's where it really hits home. I I think is you do have those musicians, those singers, who who are portraying themselves as like the next Whitney Houston, right? Who had an uh, undeniable. I, I saw Whitney from about four feet away, and then she had pipes. Even if you didn't like her music, even if you hated her music, you, you had deny, to recognize can't deny her talent. You can't. Yeah. And you sometimes get the people who are trying to do what she did. Yeah. And they're using auto tune. That goes kind of back to the opera thing. It's yeah. like. If that's your bread and butter, you're a then that's cheating. If you're entertaining, if you're as you just said, you're yeah. bouncing around, you're yeah. singing and you're dancing and you've got costumes on and you're, yeah, if you're Katy Perry and you're using auto tune. I got no problem. You shouldn't be surprised. <laughs> Nobody right. should be surprised exactly. or upset that she might. Uh, I'm not saying she does. I don't know. Uh, yeah. But you shouldn't be upset about that. No. If if Adele is using auto tune. Yeah, I got a little. You might be going. Uh, <laughs> What's the next album coming out? Uh-huh. Get that whole, whole you know, thing but that's out. that's that's where auto tune. Auto tune has its place, I think, and it has its place. It has its like non place. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, that's how I feel about it. Um, with, I, uh, we're, 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 and I'm authoritative that way. We're still in, we're we're in agreement. <laughs> we're, we're... But it, it goes back to it's entertainment. If you're just being entertained and Auto-tune makes the entertainment more interesting. Sure. Why not? Yeah. I, I, we're, we're in the same <laughs> boat. You should not claw your way into the pantheon of greats via auto-tune. Right. 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 And I don't think that's possible. No. Because and I, and, 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 and at least not now. Believe me. There might be one day. Believe me. The, the, the videos I were watching, those people there are strictly for entertainment. They got some, they got some fun music. They got some cool lyrics. They're all over the stage. They might be scantily dressed. Well, or at least they're dancers. Are, these were. are guys, actually. But, uh, oh. you know, the, yeah, they're dancers. Are you watching, they're man? dancers, definitely were. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, the thing is, is if you were, like, getting all, all up in arms, and I'm like, eh, this is strictly entertainment. You know what I mean? It's just, you know, I, I don't, listen, I don't want to see your lip sync. I don't, I don't think people should pay to see you. If I can listen if I can listen to your record on the radio there, you're going to lip sync it. And I know, no reason to spend 100 bucks on tickets. But, and you're right. If you portray yourself as a pure singer, a la opera or right. Whitney Houston type, or maybe, you know, Mariah Carey's another Mariah, one. Mariah, Mariah Again, not even, <laughs> somebody, not even <laughs> somebody I like. And, and here, the so, thing is, but, Mariah Carey ate it last year at her last couple concerts. People would go, what's wrong with her voice? Right? Yeah. 
So, yeah, you, you portray yourself as that, then you gotta you gotta go out there pure. But if you're just some big hair band or whatever, knock <laughs> yourself out, man. Yeah. I got a music question for you. Yeah. Um, Robin Thicke and Pharrell Williams. I think they got screwed. The the gay family. Yeah. And they get the radio that kept saying the gay family were the gays. Every time they could. <laughs> <laughs> it was just Robin Thicke versus the gays. <laughs> what are your thoughts? Uh, you know what? I, I Here's the thing. I listen to, first of all, there's a couple things. I listen to both those songs. Are there similarities? Yeah, there's similarities in so many songs. Do, do I think Pharrell Williams ripped off Marvin Gaye? No. And they said that the the uh, the, the um, jury was only allowed to hear one portion of the entire song. And there's a very small snippet. Yeah. That you very, can tell it's like really, really similar. But it's like, it's hardly even music in that part. It's all of like the... I mean, all yeah. the weird little things going on in the background. Exactly. So. I don't know, but seven million bucks is an awful lot. Oh, Granted, they made way more than seven million bucks on that song. Well, they asked for a whole lot more too. And the thing is, you know, the thing is, is uh, I think the whole music business. See, when you go back, what happens is, is there was a time where people were legitimately getting ripped off. You know, and what they called sampling back in the when rap first came out, they would just literally take your album, right. Strip away your vocals and play your music, and then rap over it. See the way I look at that's a rip off. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Don't forget Vanilla Ice, 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 Ice Baby. Baby. That was the first. I think that's the first, first big lawsuit. That's well, I don't know if it's the first, but it's one of the biggest ones that I can recall. Yeah, the other the ones way I, they paid for. It, the way I look at this is is the way cooking happens. You can't copyright a recipe. You can't. Huh? So, no, you can't. Now, you can copyright a trademark, you can copyright a product, you can copyright... Uh, you can name your recipe. You can name your recipe. So, Coke. Coca-Cola, right? That's kind of like those crisp, those, uh, those, what are those donuts, or cro, 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 cronuts? cronuts. Croissant donuts? Yeah, like many people make the same thing, but only one place can call them cronuts. Exactly. Yeah. But if I reverse engineer... In my kitchen, in my in my commercial venture, Coca Cola's recipe, and it tastes identical. As long as I didn't go steal it from Atlanta, right? As long as I didn't go in there and get their recipe, and and somebody can show that I stole it. If I can reverse engineer it, which which you can these days, it's, it's been done. Oh my God, you can do this cooking easily, and you think musicians can't do this? <laughs> my kid, my kid. By listening to Eddie Van Halen, can play Eruption so well that I can't tell whether he's got the jam box on and he's listening to a recording or he's playing it. And he did it all by ear. Okay? I think that's what music should be. If, if I can reverse engineer what you did, just in cooking, and I, I can do this, I can do this as a cook, <laughs> I can't do this as a musician. I'm not a musician. Uh, then, now, if you go on the sample, like you were talking about, right. just like literally stripped just away <laughs> and just plugged in, yeah, that's, that's wrong. That's, totally that's absolutely wrong. wrong. But if you reversed engineered somebody else, you know how hard that is? At that point, the line is a little blurry. Like, <laughs> I saw what you did there. <laughs> it's like what you said with what your son does. I've seen you do that because we've eaten things and you're like, and, and with recipes, 
It's not. Most of us could go, that's got butter, that's got cream, that's got salt, that's got pepper. Then it starts to get a little difficult. You know, as people go, oh, I did get some coriander. How it, did you cook it? How long did you how cook much it? Did you how use? much did you use? But what I, temperature? I, but I've seen you pick out the most. Mind- I'm like, there's something there. And you're like, oh, that's paprika. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's paprika. But it's just a hint of paprika. Right. Not a lot of paprika. You know what I mean? It's like. Right. So if you went and you just flat out copied somebody. Right. Okay. But if you went and took some riff, some idea that you listened to and then interpreted and then put into a bigger, I think that's bullshit. I don't think you should be able to sue on that. Now, on the flip side of it, I mean, Vanilla Ice was proven to just have just yeah. and flat out have just taken. And there's been other instances of that. Right. And well, even the Sugar Hill game used something with somebody's, you know. I mean, that's, that's how it's. That's kind of what they did because those guys were, were they were rap they weren't musicians they were rappers right, right. so they sampled music. right you know then the industry had to change just like it's always evolving uh, but do I think Pharrell Williams <laughs> ripped off a Marvin Gaye song absolutely not absolutely not. and should he have to cough up seven point eight million I think it was yeah I mean that's I also heard that they're the ones that, or, they're uh, the ones that initiated the lawsuit because they got tired of the the gays saying they ripped them off. <laughs> That's true. They actually they brought the suit yeah. against the Marvin Gaye estate. Well, then that was a mistake on and their it, part. It was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! Can you imagine? Yeah. How stupid is that? I didn't know that. That's just dumb. You know who they should be suing? And that's interesting, they, too, because the burden of proof, is, I think they screw themselves. Because if it, were, if it were coming from the other direction, I mean, civil stuff, you're still talking about, what, you need eight to four? Yeah, jury to win. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's civil. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not, not unanimous. No. So it's just a majority, I believe. I don't think you need. It's more. it's more than a simple majority. It can't be like. I think you need. I think you need the two thirds, but I don't know who, who gives. Whatever it. it is. The point is that if you become who's the, got Robert's rules of order, <laughs> if you become the accuser in that situation. Then you have to. You have a higher it, burden. It, it puts a higher burden on you. So, I mean, it, if they had just waited and said, we're going to enjoy our song and make money off of it, and if you want to sue us, go ahead, I think they, they would have won Let me just tell you something. as a defendant. Let me tell you something. Yeah. Paying that $78.8 million didn't hurt them one No, Pharrell made enough money off of that fucking happy song this year to pay for 10 of these judgments and not have to bat enough. You forget, but it's still foolish. You, to, you forget, though. Pharrell, Pharrell yeah, also I produ- didn't know that. produces hundreds of other musicians yeah. and stuff like that. And and Robin Thicke. I mean, Alan Thicke, Robin Thicke. I don't think either one of them was, was hurting. And who was, the, who was the third person on that? Uh, the rapper. What's it? T-Pain. I forgot who the rapper was. It was T-Pain. Was it T-Pain? No, it was T-I. T-I, yeah. No. There you go. Yeah. And I'm sure they'll appeal. Yeah. yeah. I don't think this is going to go anywhere. No. I think no. this is one of those where everyone's going to be like... You know the gay family's you know, pissed you, off about? You guys want money, they want... What are they pissed off about? I, I'm thinking that... Uh, they should be pissed off at their grandpa. That's what they should be pissed off at. So. <laughs> Thanks a lot. <laughs> yeah. You, you know, there are legal remedies for this, too. Slept down the money train right there, man. Uh, you know, hey, Marvin Gaye was a, a, a talented, talented, talented man. Um, question I have, uh, the question I had about this whole thing, though, is, did he write the music? Marvin Gaye? Yeah. 
Yes, he wrote the music. He wrote the music. Which is why they could play the sheet music on a piano in court. Oh, okay. But they could not play the recording of the song in court because right. the record company, owns not the estate, owns, owns the recording. Oh, okay. That was my question. So, yes, he did write the music and the music. He's a man. He wrote. He read past the first paragraph. No, they talked about, <laughs> they talked about it on the radio. That, that part was a, that was a story like two or three weeks ago about okay. how they weren't going to be able to play the recording in court and they... The, the pundits at the time thought that that was going to sink their case, the fact that they were not going to be able to play the actual recording. Um, the thing is, this music is one of those things where you know, we've had bands in here. We've had bands in here, and they go, this is our song, we wrote this, and, you, and we go, that's Beatlesque. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's, that's you know that's, yeah. that's the nature of music. Styles, yeah. That's, that's the right. nature of art. Yeah, because you can exactly. Take, you exactly. can take this right over into painting. Yeah. So oh, dude, my paintings. A lot of times, I have an idea. I think it's my idea, you know, and I and I feel confident while I'm painting it, but then I can open up a book or walk to an art show and go, huh. Yeah, <laughs> on that, that looks just like mine. <laughs> and if you take take anybody, take like Picasso. I mean, the guy lived almost ninety years, over ninety years, I believe. And uh, if you look at the stuff he did over the course of his lifetime, there are a lot of times are like he clearly, you know, one of the greatest artists ever, right? He clearly had picked up. And he was involved in a number of movements, you know, the, the Cubism, the Dadoism, and all that. And he picked up, and you could say, like, so was he the first person? No. And sometimes he was. Yeah. Sometimes he wasn't. Sometimes he took somebody else's idea and ran with it. Like, only in music does this happen. That's it's, really Because if you look at the food thing. Right. Doesn't yeah, happen there. Unless, unless you stole their recipe. Right. Doesn't happen there. I mean... Uh, look at art doesn't happen there but in music that's very interesting I, I don't know I think I, so I just think unless you can prove yeah. that somebody and stole and actually stole the, 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 the soundtrack sold yeah. the whatever whatever yeah. you know what I'm saying the, the actual like you said stripped the vocals out and just sampled it straight out if I can play verbatim what yeah. what and copyrights and patents and intellectual property stuff in the legal realm are just bizarre. Like, what's well, like? It's really hard to. I don't, I'm I'm surprised when anyone wins a suit mm-hmm. saying, "Oh, you stole my idea because or my my creation." Because I mean, even if it's freaking obvious. Even if I take if I take Star Wars stuff and say, you know, I'm an artist and I want to do something Star Wars inspired, right? If I change it by as much as, say, 10%, 20%, I can argue it's new art. Well, it's almost like parodies. Should I be able to do that? I mean, that... Well, and it, again, it's... it's as you long, could as take... As you're not slapping the Star Wars name on it. Logo. Yeah. Because that's you trademarked. Could, you could yeah. take exactly the same stuff, and if it's long as a parody, look at Weird Al. Weird Al's made a living off of parodies. He's been sued a number of times, and he, I don't think he, he's ever lost. He's never lost. <laughs> and using, I could be wrong. But... Using exactly the same music, uh, yeah. uh, but you're you know you change, you're, you're doing a parody of it. And if, if you change it so much percentage, like you said, it's a parody. But you know, like you know, you know, you talk about music. You know, we you know Larry, our guitar instructor. He was playing something one time, and I go, "Oh, that's such and such." And and I said, "You, how did you just hear all that?" He goes. It's not 100% exactly, but it's damn close enough that right. it sounds, you know, 
to the untrained ear, it sounds exactly the same. And I think that's what you get when you have juries mm-hmm. on such and like that. Because it's not, it's really not a jury of Pharrell Williams and Robin Thicke's yeah, peers. I'm talking about a bunch of music majors right. in college no. who, you know, no. studied all this crap. Exactly. You're talking about a bunch of regular people who listen to the radio. Exactly. And the last time they heard this Marvin Gaye song on the radio was probably like 1982. Right. Until they sat on the jury and they went home and listened to it all the time. Even though they were told not to. Yeah. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Totally. And that's going to wrap it for us. Yeah, this is the Swoops Rolling on Talk Story Radio Network. We want to thank James Wilder for joining us tonight. Uh, go check him out at James Wild- jameswilderactor.com or the... What was it? What was the other? Modern, TheModernVillas.com and uh, see what he's up to. Uh, we want to thank Anthony Davis for joining us as well. And we'll be back next week, Wednesday night, 8 p.m. Pacific. And until then, dream as if you'll live forever. Live as if you'll die today. Good night, all. Good night. The views and opinions expressed by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Talk Story Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors.